In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Good evening and welcome to The Galaxy Cast. Tonight, I'm your host, Eric Maruschak, known as Eric the Artist, and sitting next to me, I have Gary the Stud. That's me. And tonight, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We thought we would take the chance here to do this podcast in an interview format. See, we don't get to do too many interviews, especially not ones where there's <laughs> enough to talk about for an entire hour. But uh, our interviewer tonight, who shall be known as The Jerk... Got to travel and go to Chicago this past weekend. And apparently there was some big thing going on in Chicago. Just a that, small thing. You know, yeah. that some people came out and yeah, did some it was, things. It was a brony convention, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was a brony <laughs> convention with also my little, it was my little pony, bronies, and uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy combined. It was really cool. And so oh, he got awesome. to go. And going on next to the brony convention was this other thing. That's what we're going to mostly talk about. So... Tonight, our interview guest will be Mr. Bob Chrisman. Hello, folks. How you doing? Uh, I feel like it's weird to not be hosting this one. <laughs> that's right. He's normally our host with the most, but tonight he's the interviewee that's going to get grilled. So. Yeah, we got to put this, the spotlight on him and the, the hot lamp that's burning on him. Does that mean I'm grilled cheese with burnt leathery bacon going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smell like a foot wrapped in burnt bacon. <laughs> so yes, so since he got to go to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago at McCormick Place and was there experiencing it for three days, correct? Uh, of the five? Here. I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yes, yeah, three of the five. Three of the five days and got to attend and even won lotteries to some of the big events. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he really got to experience a lot of it. So we're going to get a first-hand account tonight of Star Wars Celebration from your host, normally, 
Bob Grisman. <laughs> so we're going to start off first by asking him some questions, and these will lead to more questions. And eventually sure we're, they will. we're going to be covering things along the lines of the Episode 9 trailer release, the Mandalorian teasers, and footage that got to be seen mostly by people just there. There are bootlegs out there, but we have someone on our panel who was in the room during the uh, yep. whole reveal. And also other things along the lines of the Clone Wars, the new season, Disney+, mm-hmm. Plus, the convention itself. There's a lot to cover. So tonight it's Star Wars celebration, folks. Strap in and we're going to light speed. <laughs> strap in or strap on. <laughs> so, Bob, do anything fun last weekend? <laughs> um, I did so much fun stuff that it literally put me on in my chair uh, for a day. I was actually sick for the complete day we got back. You got the con crud. I got con crud. I had con crud before I left because Superhero Weekend kicked my butt before I left. And I thought I was going to get over it before I left and I didn't fully. And then while we were gone, I was still sick while we were out there. And then I got back and it was like it hit me again. But this one was harder than the last time and, like, kicked my rear end. I was actually worried I was going to be able to podcast tonight. Luckily, in the past day or so, I, I like, felt, like, ten times better than I have in a couple weeks. But, yeah, oh, yeah, it kicked my butt. I mean, it kicked my – the convention literally kicked my physical butt. (laughs) So – Well, we're going to get into all that. Well, well, you're a lightweight anyway, so – I am, especially, yeah, when it comes to other things, yes. So let's start (laughs) off with Gary. I want to have Gary uh, grill you on a first question. Okay. Uh, Well, what did you think of the convention center itself? I was actually amazingly surprised with the McCormick Center. I was hearing all sorts of horror stories before I left about Chicago, the McCormick Center, how crazy it is to get to, the crazy area around the McCormick Center, you know, the, supposedly there were shootings all over the place, that it was an unsafe place of Chicago, and you didn't want to be there, you know, like I had friends who were like, I'm not going because it's not in a safe spot of Chicago, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I knew it was off of Lakeshore Drive, I just know that Lakeshore Drive is huge, and I it, it stretches for a large part of Lake Michigan, Right. I just didn't know where. So on that Lake really Shore Drive. that doesn't really zero right, in. Right, it didn't really zero me in and and I'll be honest, I probably should have like Google mapped it first, but I didn't. I just kind of weird just kind of going on a whim. And it was first off as far as parking was concerned, it was really easy to get to the parking. So as far as getting to McCormick Place off of Lakeshore Drive, it was a piece of cake. I mean, if I'd have stayed in a Hilton, it would have been a little bit easier. As far as, like, access and being able to get to things quickly. But even being off-site, and I knew a lot of friends who were off-site, it, it, was, it was just as easy to get there if you were staying in the city and driving in and, and coming back and forth. It was maybe a 10, 15-minute drive at most to get into the right. major part of the city and, and get back and forth. The convention center, freaking huge. That's the only way I can explain it. I mean, I've never been to C2E2, and I can't imagine the size of it now because... Celebration took up a whole building all in and of itself. I don't think C2E2 is still bringing in the number Celebration does this year. Really? I don't think it's that high. It's probably, it's getting close, but I don't think it's that big. I mean, I was thinking like we were going to have, first off, everybody said it seemed like the con floor was smaller. Like on setup day on Thursday, I had a lot of friends like texting me saying it seems like the con floor is smaller. I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe, maybe we're missing something. But then when you get in there with everybody in there, it didn't feel that way at all. And and I just think it's it's probably deceptive because it's the every floor I saw was wide but not deep. So when you walk in the front gate, it feels like you can practically see the back wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see everything from right here, which was great for getting around. But then you realize, wait a minute, 
you can't see from your right to your left all the right. way from end to end. And that's that I think that was actually advantageous because it gave them a lot of space from side to side to work with. It helped keep the lines flowing because they can run the lines around the outside of everything. The only ones that got kind of tough, my wife mentioned it before, uh, were the Funko booth because it was towards the center. And the same thing with Lego and Hasbro. They they had lines going on forever. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, <clears throat> McCormick was an incredible place. I was, I was impressed with how well it was maintained. I was impressed with um, how easy it was to get to things like um, bathrooms and stuff that you would think convention centers <laughs> would struggle with. Was not a struggle. Right. So now, place. for those who are uninitiated or have only been to New York Comic Con, right? Compare it to the Javits Center. How's it different? Oh my gosh, like ten times the size of Javits. <laughs> like take ten Javitses and put them side by side, and that's about what right. McCormick is. Right. I mean, and that's I'm talking about each building itself. I mean, it was unbelievably huge. Actually, I'm kind of embarrassed looking at the Javits now and then looking at McCormick Place. Yeah. I'm kind of like, how does New York City have that small of a venue compared to Chicago? And who really shouldn't have that size of convention me, center, but they do. The people I know working in the convention industry wish New York had a bigger place to If they to had draw a McCormick bigger, side place, oh my yeah. gosh, they would be drawing huge conventions there. But they don't have it. They've but got they they've got the, the Javits. Right, which the, the Javits is trying to grow. They're building on new buildings as we speak. There's a there's a renovation. But there just on, doesn't seem it's not fast enough. You no, know what I mean? Like there's no years, way years right, that they could ever catch up. McCormick's there already. But I'm just I was totally impressed with McCormick. And to be honest. You know, my wife and I even went, I, I told you guys the um, Friday night, we went to Portello's. We we took a cab down to Portello's to eat. Portillo's. Portillo's, For our sorry. Chicago listeners, sorry, I'm going to correct him. Portillo's. Uh, that's where Oprah Winfrey apparently had a yeah. pizza at one point in time. Uh, that's what they're known for, apparently. I used to do graphic design work for Portillo's. Oh, did you really? One of my previous jobs. I well, designed a couple cool. shirts for him and stuff, yeah. That's pretty cool. So we, we, we took a cab down there. I never felt unsafe. Now, I'm, I don't know, We my, my wife and I have traipsed around Manhattan. I've never felt unsafe there. I mean, there's moments where I'm kind of like, mm, let's turn the corner, hun, because this isn't a good place to be yeah. right now, you know? Every city has those neighborhoods. But th- I didn't feel that way at all in Chicago. Mm-hmm. In any of the places we were at, even downtown, when we were downtown, I didn't feel unsafe ever. I, I saw parts of the city I probably would never want to go visit. But you just don't hang out there for long. You right. you know, you keep moving, you know, and you don't hang out in those parts. But... That wasn't near the McCormick Center. That right. that was downtown, and that was by our La Quinta. And even that area wasn't bad. There were just sections of it you could see where you may not want to be hanging out for All long. Right. But. Well, people are like, okay. People are probably saying, enough about this. Let's get into the convention and talk yeah. about it. We're talking about a building, for gosh sakes, in Chicago, which you kind of lead me to my first question. Uh, you were talking about the lines and mm-hmm. the lines and the way they wrapped around certain places. I heard a lot of news on... Now, this was uh, Thursday, day one, hmm. when you weren't there. There was tweets, there were reports that there was some massive mess-ups with the show <laughs> store. That Some people said they were in line seven to eight hours to get in, to get items, that the fast processes that were supposed to be in place weren't working. There, the store went down. There were all sorts of issues. And these are people who won lotteries to get items and stuff like right. that. And they still had issues where they missed a day of their convention practically because of that. What was what did you hear about this? And what was the mood of convention goers like at the beginning versus by Sunday when it was your last day at the show? Did things improve? Were there corrections made, etc.? I will tell you that on our way out there, because we were driving out Thursday night while all this stuff was going on, um, I had friends, the Blooms, who run the 501st cast. Nikki had gotten in line to get into the Star Wars Celebration store. She was a lottery winner. She waited... 
two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes to get into the store, right. got her items, and sat at checkout for seven hours and 30 minutes. Checkout. Checkout. So a total of almost nine hours. Pretty much her whole first day was blown just trying to get stuff. And she won the lottery. She she, you know, she got that advanced ability to get in. So people who hadn't won it had said they were waiting much longer than that. And that was truth. I mean, that's that's not a, like a horror story like somebody made it up. No, it was a disaster. The first day, Reed Pop had not planned on everybody deciding to hit up the store. First thing, first day. I don't know why they didn't plan on that. You I mean, to. you're Reed Pop. You've been running how many conventions in your in your lifetime, and, and how could you not see that coming? But for some reason, that never dawned on them, and it did create a problem. Now, by the time I got to the store, we went to the Celebration store on... Uh, that must yeah, it was Sunday. We went the last so day because I figured you're, we're day four of a five day convention <laughs> now, and you're going to the store. I figured at that point maybe they would have gotten the process better, and they did. I mean, I think Heather and I waited maybe an hour and fifteen to get in, which isn't too bad because the line the line wrapped around all over the place. And we went in, we checked out within twenty minutes, and we're gone. Okay, so it wasn't bad. It was maybe okay. an hour and a half what, were, to two hours. By Sunday, were you seeing? Oh, this is sold out. This is sold out. This no, is and that's the weird okay. thing. I mean, like yes, the exclusives, the things <laughs> I expected to sell out, were selling out. So the Darth Maul figures, yes. The Obi Wan figures, yes. But the the non exclusive stuff, there seemed to be tons of it, even on Sunday, um, on the fourth day of five. So I have a feeling even by Monday they were still, you know, like. I almost bought, they had a really cool Darth Maul sweatshirt that was really cool that I almost bought. But I bought a bunch of stuff at the store, and I mean, a lot of the stuff I wanted, I, I walked away with. Actually, one of the cool things they did in the Celebration store, which I thought was just like, whoever thought of this idea, I hope they keep it going for the next Celebrations. The shirt I'm wearing is actually a custom shirt you could get. So you could go up, and you'd order the color of your shirt. They had like probably about 10 different patterns, and there was a daily one you could get. So, like, my, the day I was there, you could get Emphis Nest as your character, the daily character, and they'd screen print it right there. Yeah. And you watched them do it. Yeah. We live screen printing at events. I've been part of that, which is really cool. And then you could order it and go do your rest of your shopping and <clears throat> for like 25 bucks, and you'd come back, and then you'd have your screen printed shirt already done, ready to go, and you could walk out and pay for it. What, what, um, what about the sizes and stuff? Are they any better this year? Or they were definitely it? better about sizing. I know we've complained in the past about like 2XL and 3XLs, right? Like they never thought of bigger people. This time it went all the way from XXS, which extra smalls for kids. Yeah. They were actually thinking about that. Um, all the way up to 4 and sometimes 5X on some of the shirts. So they were actually. I think they actually kind of have been listening to the complaints over the years and are trying to, you know, and even, like I said, even by Sunday, there were still tons of options and available t-shirts and stuff. So they definitely, I definitely think they were catering to both the kids and the adults. And there were a lot of cool things. I think one of my favorite things in the store, I didn't buy it, but I was so tempted. They had a Darth Maul. It was a plushy Darth Maul that you could pull the legs off of. <laughs> so you could have the Darth Maul legs, right, from, from episode one. You could put on the mechanical, like, octopus-like legs he had in the Clone Wars. You could put on the, the or not, yeah, it was the Clone Wars, but when he was on the planet, yeah, the junk planet. Yeah, when they first found him. And then they had the regular ones that had, like, the stilt style, and then they had the ones from Rebels. So it was like you had options for your plushy Darth Maul about which legs you, and you could just tear cool. literally rip off his bottom half of his body. My wife's like, it's a little sadistic, but it is like Velcro. Rip, yeah, Velcro. You could Velcro off the bottom half of his body and put it on. I like that. The other big thing that they had that was a, a huge hit with the female audience and the younger audience, they had loath owls that had really long tails 
and you could wrap it around your shoulder. Like Ahsoka had a lot of times with a loath owl on her yeah. shoulder so that it looked like you had the loath owl on your shoulder. And so a lot of people were buying it and just putting the loath owl on their shoulder. Uh, my wife, I had to laugh. She's going to get mad when I said this, but uh, she thought they were porgs. Aww. <laughs> And so she went in there. She's like, we got to get a pork for Tara. And she picked one up and go, no, 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 no. And she goes, what? I go, that's not a pork. <laughs> like, she didn't realize it was a loath owl. She had never heard of anything like that. So so you would say then, by later in the convention, was the overall mood good? It had improved about the store, yes. Well, uh, not just the store in general, but in general. What were you picking uh, I up I will on? say this. Uh, overall, for the whole <laughs> celebration, personally, for me, probably the best celebration I've been to. And I've been to five and six and now nine. And not because of the personal things. I know Gary knows about all the personal issues I've been to. It had nothing to do with that. Just in general, this celebration felt so much more fan-driven. I guess is the best explanation I can give it. It's almost like Reed Pop finally decided to just step back and let the fan groups do their thing. And the minute they did that and they let the fan groups kind of drive the car... The fan groups were kind of like, dude, we got this. You know, like we we really, I I give credit to the Mercs, the Rebel Legion, the 501st, the Saber Guild, the Droid Builders Club. I mean, I'm probably missing somebody in there. Um, Dark Empire. Dark Empire, <laughs> thank you. They, they did a spectacular job of helping to push things forward and move things along. And quite honestly, the best things on the floor came from the fan groups. And that's the way it should have been all these years. And I kind of got this feeling that like before Reed Pop was getting in the way, I think it's the first time I felt like, they said, you know what, these guys know what they're doing, we're going to let them run their show. And when they did, I think it, it came out to be, it was like, how do I put this? There was a family feel to this this particular convention that we were missing in 5 and 6 in Florida. Very cool. It might have been in Anaheim, I don't know, I didn't go to right. Anaheim. But um, as, as far as that feel, yeah. For me personally, best convention, only because I stepped back for the first time in a long time, didn't cost him a lot. Um, I'll admit, I was because I wasn't feeling well, that was part of it. I broke some costumes, which didn't help my matters any, and that kind of convinced me not to keep costuming. So, you know, there were some factors that, that played that role. Um, the other part of it, too, was I think the after-hour stuff that they planned was kind of cool, too, which kind of helped add to it all. So. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Talking about costuming, uh, <coughs> how was the overall experience in costume? Amazing, actually. For the first time, I actually got to enjoy myself in my costume. And I say that because it didn't turn into every five seconds of, like, I need a picture, I need a picture, I need a picture. I credit that to the fact that there were so many of us in costume. And that was a good thing because what it was was there were enough TIE pilots around that if they couldn't get a picture with me, there were 20 other TIE pilots they could get a picture with. There were enough Mandos around at all times that if they couldn't get a picture with me, there were, like, 50 other options for Mandos to get pictures with. I think that was helpful. I, I, I can't say enough about the changing rooms these guys put together. It was so helpful for the... I mean, for those who are costumers, you know, our, our, our biggest problem always is finding a spot to change, getting it done quickly and efficiently, and feeling like your stuff's safe. Like, you know, you, you don't want your totes in a spot that's in an awkward place. It was awkward for me the first day only because I had to bring two totes in and I had to do a quick costume change. But I got to be honest, if it weren't for the rooms they had, I wouldn't have been able to pull off what I pulled off. Being able to get to the Mano Mercs picture at noon and then into the JRS flyby by one, which was absolutely ridiculously too close. I don't ever want to do that again in my life ever. 
But I made it happen. I made it work. And if it had not been for the changing room facilities, I don't think I'd have been able to make that happen. But, but for, for, for the nine customers, what's the, J, what's the JRS? Oh, Jolly Rogers Squadron, which is the Thai pilot wing of the 501st. Thank you. So the flyby, we, we walked around the convention center once, and then we took a picture by the big TIE fighter. Um, what I didn't know is they took another picture of all the officials with the flag at the front. I had jetted at that point because my costume was all foobarred. Um, and I wish I had taken that picture, too, because I ended up becoming the official picture. So I'm not in the official picture. I'm in the unofficial official picture of the flyby. But whatever. I was there. So, But it was a fun experience. Uh, when I walked in with my Mando, <laughs> it's been a while since my wife has uh, squired for me. <laughs> and she forgot what it was like. I-, I didn't step two feet in before people were like, can I take a picture, right? Um, and I'm used to it, right? So I'm like, sure. And then a guy decided he had this pro camera. He wanted to take a picture of me next to the Stormtrooper Lego. I don't know if you guys saw that display. It was yeah. at the front. Um, but he wanted it to look like my gun was going up the display. He had this thing in his head that he wanted to do. And my wife turns around. She'd taken like 15 steps. I had said to her, Heather, I'm taking a picture. And I went with this guy. And I noticed she would kept going. And I kept yelling, Heather. But she wasn't hearing me because my helmet was on. Even though my amp is on, it doesn't help in a, a, cro- a crowded hall. She turned around. She kind of got mad. I knew she was going to. But luckily, she stayed where she was. I could see where she was at. And, you know, I, I right after that, it was like, picture, picture, picture. And I finally said to her, I was like, you're going to have to stand behind me. So when people take pictures of me, you know to stop, just kind of step to the side, let them take the picture, and then we'll move on. Um, once we got a little farther into the convention, like it wasn't that new thing, then it kind of laid off a little bit. Uh, I will say that probably the one thing that grabbed everybody's attention was doing the Mando Death March. I, I mean, every person we walked by as soon as they saw all the mandos it was like they dropped everything and started pulling cameras out and taking pictures which was kind of impressive i mean seeing that many mandos and i still think that's maybe the largest contingent yet of mandos together i might be wrong so tom if i'm wrong i apologize but it was every time i see that many mandos together i i almost get a little teary-eyed thinking about i'm number 10 you know, in that group, that I'm number 10 out of all those guys. Right. And it just, I still, like... <clears throat> do you guys have discussions about numbers, and do they hear your number, and like, whoa. We're not really supposed to put any emphasis on that, you know what I mean? Like, I can't help but do it, you know what I mean? Because when I'm number 10, it's like, and I look at the I look at the founding members of the Mercs, there's not many of them left. Like, Naval, the founding member, obviously is. But the other nine in front of me, they're, almost all of them are gone or retired, and I'm one of the few in the top 10. So I, I think it's kind of nostalgic. You know, it's funny because Tom Noval, the guy who founded the Mercs, when we see each other now, it's so second nature for him and I to talk to each other. I'm not in that like, oh my gosh, it's Tom, you know, kind of like enamored state. I'm more like, hey, look, it's Tom, my buddy, you know, like, and, and it's, it's, I have a different relationship there. And I think it throws some people off. Even Ruben, who is our clan leader. Like I walked over and go, hey, how you doing, Tom? Hey, how you doing, Bob? You know, we just kind of started kibitzing a little bit. How's the fam? Great. How are the kids? You know, and Ruben just kind of looked at me and I'm like, what? And he goes, dude, I didn't know you were that close to Tom. I looked at him like, I'm number 10. Like we talked a lot at Dragon Con in 2007. I literally went to his room and hung out and we talked about yeah. how do we make this thing a bigger thing, you know? And I'll admit, I, I think Tom and I both got a little teary eyed thinking about the Mandalorian and its relation to our group because, uh, and I said, that, I went down to the floor and I talked to the guys after the panel and I said, you know, Tom, when we first started this thing, remember, Nobody who knew what a Mandalorian was. They kept calling us Power Rangers and Transformers, uh, Transformers right? Like all these <laughs> crazy things. And I looked at him and I said, think about this. We are now so well known. 
Disney started a show based on the concept of this group that we've been kind of pushing forward. I mean, yeah, Mando's even existed before that point. I'm like, I don't think they'd be talking about a TV show if this group, this particular group, didn't push forward the idea that these Mandos existed and this was a thing, you know. So it was yeah. The costuming part, it was it was it was awesome. And I'll tell you what, I give credit because there was a lot of new costumes that made me want to go back and like up my costuming game. Like there were some costuming ideas I got and I was kinda like I like that. I'm going to try one of those, or I want to do that, or like like what? Are you talking just Mando? No, actually, I'm talking about stuff outside well, of that. Well, this is that's because that was going to be my next question. So to tie into you saying like what? My next question was: Go ahead. What are the best and worst cosplays <laughs> you saw this year? All right. So, <clears throat> <clears throat> and for best, you can it can be more than one. What are the tops that you saw that were really creative? I think one of the best cosplays was their big yellow droid. I forget which movie it's from now, and I'm trying to remember. I was even trying to... Oh, it was from, not The Last Jedi, the one before that, Force, uh, Force Awakens. Awakens. Is it the one walking out of... Uh, Mas Kanata's right? place, and they're walking in, and it's walking yeah. out? Okay. Somebody built that droid on stilts. Oh, that's awesome. And And you could walk, so like, you could see the stilts, but if you kind of suspended your imagination for a minute... The, the droid went all the way to the floor, and the guy was up. The eye was there, but he could see just over top of that, and he made it so his arms controlled the up and down motion of the, the droid. But it was, I mean, it was <laughs> spot on. It was metal. You could tell it was, like, welded and metaled and put together almost like a car. It was impressive. I wouldn't, I can't imagine trying to get around in it. But it was impressive. Now, as far as like the best costume that was funny, well, let's do a couple categories. So okay. that one looks like it was. Would you say that was the most impressively made because of the welding and the materials? Yes. yes. Okay. So then, what was the funniest? The funniest one. There were a couple that struck me. Um, I took the picture of the one that kind of struck me the most, which is the the sea the seagulls one. A guy had the seagulls with the coconut, and he right. had the. So the, to explain to our listeners, I'm sure everyone knows, but it's the it's the video. It's one of the lip sync videos, correct? That's been redone yeah, yeah. into songs, and it's seagulls. seagulls. Stop it now! Yeah, yeah. So someone did the living embodiment of that song. Yes, and that poor guy, I felt bad for him because he got inundated <laughs> with pictures everywhere he went. Um, I think the other one that was just as good was <laughs> this was wrong. A Mickey Mouse dressed in a, a Sith costume, dragging George Lucas by a chain, who's dressed <laughs> in the Slave Leia costume. <laughs> Like, funny, hysterical, but I could not bring myself to take a picture of it because it was just so wrong. That, is, that was another costume that they couldn't get around much without having I was going to say, that taken. one must have been inundated. Oh, my gosh. It was it was crazy. It was funny as I'll get out. A um, little wrong, but just, just funny in general. And so it was, it was a really, that was another one that grabbed my attention. Now, things that I always like costuming-wise is when I see someone costume as something and I'm like, my God, I can't believe someone thought to do that. That's a great one because I like that character, but it never would have occurred to me to do it. What are some of the more obscure ones you saw that were impressive? The two that struck me that seemed a little more obscure, somebody actually did a full-on Lothwolf. Wow. So, like, they were, like... Walking um, on all fours? They could. Okay. So they had the ability to walk on all fours, but they also had the ability, like, they could actually sit like the loath wolf, which is the weird thing. I'm still trying to figure out how they did it, but it, it looked like you could sit like a wolf, right? Like, and, and every once in a while, the guy would, would do that. I think that was to get pressure off his back and the way he was standing. But it was an impressive costume. The other one I thought was really impressive. A guy made a full-on Dianoga. But here's where it got interesting. He put all the trash from the trash compactor. 
and the Dianoga head sticking out the top. I don't know where the guy could see because all you could see was his trash. So obviously somewhere in there was a sight line for him somewhere in amongst all the trash. But it was a big old pile of trash with a Dianoga head sticking out the top. I, I, thought, I just did, thought it was I wonder cool. if he didn't do a camera. And Dianoga had he run might have been to able a little, to. to a little monitor. And he might have been able to, too. Kind of like, like, like a, a, a periscope. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. almost like uh, Big Bird did. I, I, I'd imagine he might be able to do well, that. Well, that's but. also um, when uh, Adam Savage <coughs> did Yeah. He did uh, My Neighbor, the anime. My Neighbor to Toro? My Neighbor? Oh, my God. It's, I'm having a moment. But anyway, he put a camera in the high in the head because the eye line was going to be too high for him. Right. And he had a little monitor. And he's like, I've got a great view because the camera is actually above the crowd. Right. So I can actually see, so can see better than openings else. and things. And he liked it. So maybe the guy did something like that. So th- those were the two that really kind of <laughs> caught my eye. And I was like, that was that was a really cool idea. Okay. So, yeah. What was the worst one you saw? The worst costume I saw. What was um, one you saw and you're just like... I can't really... Because part of my I brain... Know, everyone... Everyone... Loves Star Wars. I know. I'm not trying to put them down. They're, no, they're putting I know. Their I, get, I get what you're saying, and 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 that's where I like hesitate because you know, I mean, kids are kids. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't yeah. ever want to rip on a kid. I did see a guy. I think he thought he was cool. He came in with like cardboard that was fiberglass. It was obvious. He thought he could be a Mando Merc, and it was kind of like. You know, you're like, you don't want to let anybody down like yeah. that, but you're kind of like, dude, no, you're on the wrong track, yeah. you know? I tried to, like, break it to him easy that cardboard and fiberglass are not cool. I suggested Sintra, you know, I tried to talk him into it. Like, he was nervous about working with Sintra. I think by the time I got done talking with him, he might have changed his tune because I convinced him, like, go to your local sign shop, just get some, play around with it, who cares if you screw up? Because it's free and it's scrapped to them, and... So I think I convinced him to change it, but I kind of felt bad because you could tell he was prideful about like what he had done up to that point. And I think back to when I first started, you know, and I I thought I was the bomb because I made my first costume, and it was like now I look back at that costume like what was I thinking? Like you know, like it was just not not cool now. But I mean, back then it looked like it was the you know the shiznit, right? And I felt bad for him more than anything. That so that was one that kind of struck me as as a really kind of Kind of bad costume that wasn't well put together. Um, there were a couple others. How about worst as in just wrong? The one was the Disney with the. I think that's George the one that, to me would really rank up there as the just <laughs> wrong one. There was okay. I, I got one other. They did do they did do a handmaid handmaidens group. Uh-huh. So they had Padme in her because it's the twentieth anniversary of Star Wars Episode One. That was right. one of the big things they were celebrating. And so they had the they had this nice Padme with the white gown and the weird lipstick and I mean it, she did an amazing job. Um, one of the Buffalo group members was in the Padme Handmaidens group, the orange and red gowns yeah, yeah. that they wore. I found it extremely disturbing that there were two guys with full on beards <laughs> in that group, <laughs> and I don't know why. Like I normally don't care about stuff like that. Like guys get in Slave Leia costumes all the time, right. whatever. If that's your float your boat, great. It just felt weird to let those guys into that group. And I know Star Wars is supposed to be all encompassing and I get it. It just I don't know. It didn't it struck me as being an odd thing to do. So I take it you didn't do a rancor uh So here's what happened with Malakili. I took it with me. This is the really stupid part. It went all the way to Chicago and came all the way back and it never went on. Yeah. I'll tell you why it never went on. There were two things that played. Did you anyway. see any other Malachilis? There was one. Okay. He was oh. bad. Okay. And he was the guy that was at Celebration 5 and 6 that, that we had seen before. Okay. 
um, who carried around the Rancorn like a ba- baby carrier kind oh, of thing, okay. right? And that was the thing. Jana was like on my case. She's like, why didn't you wear it? There was two things that played into that. First off, I was not feeling well the whole weekend. I have to be, this is going to sound so weird and so stupid, but I have to be mentally prepared to wear Malakili. I have to be in a mood where like, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks about it. And at that point in time, and I'll say this now, I, I'm I'm still not there yet mentally to listen to the dronage online about right. Malakili. Um, and I have to be able to want to listen to that, and I I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, the other part of it, quite honestly, being completely honest, and she'll probably deny it, but it doesn't matter. My, my wife kind of didn't want to have to be around me in the costume. Um, I think there's a twofold thing for her. First off, I think she gets afraid of people making fun of me because yeah. she's my wife and she doesn't want to see that. She's very protective about that. I get it. I understand. I try to, you know, I try to tell her if I'm doing this, I'm doing this willingly. Like I'm, I'm doing going into it knowing full well that it's there's a strong possibility people are going to make fun of me. I think the other side of it is she doesn't like, like she's not, she's a, she's an introvert. She doesn't like any sort of attention at all. So me getting all that attention and her being anywhere near it is like too much for her to handle. And I just think that was another factor that kind of played into it. I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. I wanted to wear Malachili. There were moments where I was like, but I I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Okay. Okay. Out of everything that was there, what was the coolest thing you saw? (laughs) Oh my God. You're picking me. You asked me to pick one thing. Yes. If I were to pick one thing that was there, that was like the coolest it's probably the full-size TIE fighter that was there. Was it that was, the only giant? Crap? Oh, no. I it, mean, I know they have lots of stuff, but that's the big, biggest thing, right? Uh, this one was actually bigger than the one they had in Florida. Okay. Taller. Uh, the cockpit was full-size. You could, Supposedly, you can get in it, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't let them put the stairs up to be able to get into the TIE fighter oh, for insurance reasons, purposes yeah. and other stuff. Um, but the I think it was the Belgian group. No, the Belgian group was the Florida group. I think it was a German group that did this one. It's actually two specs. The one in Belgium is I think a third smaller. This one is two specs. It uh, it is tall. I mean, like the wings of it are amazingly tall. Um, they did have a full size X wing there that was there taking up the other like half of that same side of the convention floor. They had a full-size snow speeder like they had at, at Florida. I'm trying to think of some of the other things they had. They, I mean, like, there were some really cool stuff. They had the, the Tantive Four hallway. I mean, like, yep. anything you could imagine, they probably had <clears throat> a set for. Uh, they had the, the hallway from the Millennium Falcon. I was surprised there was no Millennium Falcon cockpits like they've had in some others, but that, that's all right. They had the, uh, like, the sitting room <clears throat> with the chest and everything, right? Yeah, they yeah. had that. Did anyone um, at the Tantive Four hallway do the reenactment? Did we get stormtroopers on one side, rebels on another, and do a photo? No, but I think the one thing I did walk by was the rebels uh, running down the hallway with Darth Vader coming at them, trying to handle <laughs> hand the hand. I was watching that as I was walking by at one point. <clears throat> that was point. pretty good. Okay. They did have the Wilrow hoods pretty much run through everything. Yeah. So they, they ran through all of the sets. Actually, this time, I give them credit. They were not picture bombing. They were not 
It was not as obnoxious as it was in Florida. I think they heard some things about I it. I think they did. Okay. And and everybody knew they were coming. They knew when they were coming. Everybody kind of got out of the way. As a matter of fact, they had a guy at the front just kind of going, Will yeah. Rose, Will to, Rose. To make know. it clear, everyone out there, I'm sure, knows who Will Rowe Hood is. But for those who don't, it was an Empire Strikes Back. It's a background character seen running during the whole Empire uh, attack on Bespin with the whole... With the, an ice cream maker. And he's carrying an ice cream maker. And they actually has a name. They gave him a name at the end of the credits like they name a lot of people. It was Will Rowe Hood. I think to this day, no one knows who the actor was or they can't find him. No, they still don't know who it is. So, but now this is a big thing and people dress up as Will Rowe Hood and they buy ice cream makers and they put on the mustaches and they run around the convention. Now it's gone even farther. I think my best one of the Will Rowe Hood one is somebody dressed as the ice cream maker carrying a Will Rowe. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) officially, that's it. It's gone meta. Right. Like I was like, that's actually hysterical. I love that. You know, they actually were poking fun at themselves this time around, you know, and I, I appreciated that. I thought whoever organized this version, it was much more like laid back, relaxed, having fun instead of like, we're the Will Rose and you should get out of our way. Kind of, you know, that was kind of the mentality in Florida. And I was kind of like, I'm not getting out of here in a way. Like this time around, it was a little more jovial. I'm just waiting for someone to go now (laughs) further and to do a costume where their entire chest is a last will and testament. And they have a hoodie with two oars on the side. Nah, Will Rose. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And not not say who they are, just walk right, around. Right, like right, that. walk around like that. That's probably the biggest one as a tie fighter. I think was just okay. most impressive. I, I you could see it from everywhere on the floor. I think that was the most impressive part of it. Like that was my my landmark. Heather and I always use this landmark. Like where are we? Wait, tie fighters there, so we must be here. <laughs> like it was the one landmark you could look. That's at That's a smart and see. thing. I mean, that's right. actually probably a great way to orient. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a convention that big. So let's go into what I like. Um, we're still not even getting to the big things yet. We which, haven't yet. Yeah. So we'll get there. That's why I said this was going to be a full episode about, about this. But I want to talk art for a second. And I know you probably didn't get a lot of time to look, but I know in the past there have been issues with the art show. I know it's done on a acceptance basis. You have to submit ideas. You have to get accepted to even appear there and sell art. I know that – I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Joe Caroni? No. Dan Dorman? Dave Dorman. 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 Dave Dorman. I even heard that like, you know – uh, I think it was last year or the year before, Dave Dorman, who has like, done tons of Star Wars stuff, submitted an idea, and they didn't accept him, and he didn't go. And he's like, I would think I should be there you know, with how much I've right. done. So it's, it's, it's had its issues in the past, and I didn't hear a lot about it this year. I didn't see a lot online about, hey, here's the prints that are going to be available. Here's the images and stuff like that. I'm sure there was some. I just didn't hunt it down. But did you get a chance to look at the art, and were there, what did you see that was cool? To be honest with you, and I was looking for it, there wasn't a lot of art there. I, really? I saw Joe Caroni and, and I talked to him for a little bit. Was he like in his own area? Uh, he was in his own area, but he, he, he shared a booth with another guy. Now I, I got, so talk- they didn't do an artist section cause they, in Orlando, no they actually alley. had an artist section. Right. There was no artist alley at this one at all. Not that I could decipher anyway, but the way the floor was right. laid out. I mean, is there any chance you missed it? I don't think so. I okay. mean, we didn't find the tattoo area till the very end, but I wasn't looking for the tattoo right. area, you know? But the artists were all spread out amongst all the vendors, and I okay. think that was the part that they were a little upset about, because they're not a vendor. They're an artist, you know? And that, that just... If you that's what you're looking for, it was hard to find it. You really had to kind of dig into, like, who's doing the art, and right. where's... And there wasn't a lot of it, to be honest with you. Because let's t- face it, a lot of people like art without necessarily <coughs> knowing the name of the artist or exactly who did it. And if you group right. them all together, you can kind of walk around and visually find what you're looking right. for. So to spread them out is, I think, a bad idea. And I got talking to Matt Bush for a little bit. Sorry, Matt, if I'm letting stuff out that I shouldn't, but I, I felt I felt people should know. First off, uh, you're right about the whole Disney wanted approval on everything. So in order for him to sell an art print, he had to do it, send it to LFL, get it approved get Disney's stamp of approval on it. They had to rate the artwork 
they had to tell they told him how much he could sell and at what cost point. They even gave him a price. They gave them price points uh, that they. I mean, like it. It wasn't specifically like that's a hundred fifty dollar print, but that has to be sold between fifty and two hundred. So you have right. to pick the price point between the two. But I also heard outrageous things like they were charging artist, even art artist vendors, like six thousand dollars for a space, oh, that's which insane. is insane. And and it's gonna be so hard to make guys that like back. Matt Bush who are who are even mass producers. And Matt admits he is like he openly admits he's he's a mass producer. Uh, it was hard to be able to come up with the money to be able to say you're going to make that back over the course of five days at a con. I mean, because I mean, here's the other thing: you got to make what else over is he selling? Thousand dollars. How day. many pieces of art do they approve for the person? And that's the thing, and I, I didn't look at Matt's table per se, but it wasn't a lot. And but they but, limit you, right? So, but that's what I'm saying. Like, think about that: you have to make make go past over a thousand dollars worth of artwork a day. In order to be able to make this a viable thing, so just to recoup your table costs, just to recoup table what about costs? your travel expenses, your hotel, hotel your food, right. all that stuff. I mean, you're talking probably a ten thousand dollar weekend that you right. be, you'd have to be able to pull off. Yeah, and so for some of these okay, guys, maybe not that much, but pretty close, pretty close. But I, I, I could understand where some of these guys might have been hesitant. If you're a mid range artist. I wouldn't be taking that risk. That's too big. It's just too big of a risk to take to go out there. If that's true. Now, from what I'm understanding from people I've talked to, and I've talked to several vendors who are art vendors, and that's why Joe shared his space with a couple other guys. Two guys went together, so therefore it's only 3000 a piece instead of 6000 But you're still talking about you got to now share that space. And, yeah. Right. That's, yeah. It just makes it tough. And, and – and then on top of it, you're competing with DK Publishing and all these other companies, yeah, yeah. you know, that, doing that are there and doing their thing. And so, you know, it's it's competitive and you're trying to get people's money. You're trying to give them up, you know, give up their pocketbook. And um, I'll, I'll admit we probably spent more than we should have while we were out there. But it was like there were so many cool things. Like It was hard for me not to want to, like, buy some stuff. What art did it. you see that you liked then out of the little bit you saw? Ironically, the Mandalorian art at the Mandalorian table. And I forgot to get a. A, a print of it, so I'm gonna have to try to probably buy it through the Merc store. I think the best stuff that was there, quite honestly, was the stuff that Matt was putting out. He had some of the best artwork there, and he really was cranking through pretty good. He was pretty solid the whole weekend. People were buying artwork from him, and I saw a lot of people have his artwork in their tubes, or they were getting it signed, autographed by people that were there. That's probably the big person I saw. Matt and Joe, I think, were the two biggest producers of artwork. I mean, there were other guys, but I, I just there were other stuff that I. I don't know. I didn't see the art like I was used to seeing from Florida. It wasn't there at this one. But they did have that giant banner, that the 120-something They did, foot. yeah. And Jeez. it was kind of weird because, you know, they covered up the very right-hand side, so you're like, oh, there's going to be a big reveal. And I saw it, and there wasn't. It was, was just the characters. i got to be honest. I was expecting a Savage Opress moment like right. you had, right? And when they, when they unveiled it, we were all kind of like, oh, well, that's it's just, it? It's just the like, characters in another it's pose. It's all the characters in another pose. Oh, and there's DDO. Right. There's a new droid. Okay. That's it. And so it just it's felt like, like so, like build up, build up, build up, build up to nothingness. Yeah. And it was kind of like that was a little disappointing. So there so. wasn't any chalk art. No chalk art. Yeah, I bet. And I was looking around. I mean, Heather and I must was have there said room? it. Oh my gosh! In, in a ton of places. Got to bring me, man. <laughs> have me do more of, reveals. In Come a ton on, of Lucasfilm. I was actually sitting there thinking, and I tried. Here's the thing: I did speak with you know Reed a right. bunch of times leading up to the show, and there was definitely talk about it a little bit on their end. But you know they are going back and forth. They go to Lucasfilm, they try and talk to the different groups and say, "Does anyone want this done? Would they have an idea of what could be done?" Blah blah. blah. And nothing came up, and they were probably just way too packed into the show and busy with their own things. 
I'm going to try, now that I know there's going to be a, a one next year. It's yeah, like, in Anaheim. In Hanaheim. I'm going to start early. I'm going to start early summer with messaging to read yeah. it again. I, I assume Reed's doing it again. I don't know. Uh, I can <clears> tell you this. This is officially Reed Pop's last celebration. Really? Yeah. So who's doing Anaheim in 2020? We don't know yet. So I don't know who to reach out to. That's then. why when, when um, it was announced for Anaheim... And all my friends were online going, oh, I'm getting hotels right across from the convention center. I was actually online going, I wouldn't do that yet. And you're like, why? I'm like, are you sure it's at the convention center? Like, aren't you, is there a possibility it's in the park? Right. We've talked about that random building in the back of the park that doesn't seem to have any sort of rhyme or reason to it other than it looks like a large convention space. Right. I'm really wondering if that's the plan. From now on, it's going to be a Star Wars celebration in the the park. park. Right, like but I, they own, I mean, think about it. They own it. They get the hotel Why money. Not? They get everything. Right, and and they got people suckered in for everything. I mean, like yeah. you're in there, right? Like that's, yeah. I could totally see Disney doing it, and they have every right to. And I, I, I would. Why not? You know. So I have no idea who to reach out to to do uh, chalk art. I would continue for read for right now, and they might redirect you to somebody. That's what I'll try and find. I'm either sure they'll or, have information. Either that, or just contact Kathleen Kennedy directly. I mean, that might be I your only should. option. I wonder how you get in touch with her. I got. I got. I'll help you. Okay. Um, hey, sweet. Anyway, so yeah, so that was my question. It was mostly just about the art, and it sounds like it, it wasn't a huge part of the show. No, and I was kind of disappointed with that, to be honest. Okay. Uh, back to Gary. <laughs> okay, you said uh, autographs. Uh, yeah. Your people were getting autographs and stuff. Uh, did you get any? <laughs> Probably more than I've ever gotten at a celebration ever. This I want to hear. Have you guys seen our Star Wars Rebels poster yet? Let's go through it. It's full. It's like I have almost every character except for Zebin Chopper, which I'm going to work on. So I was able to get uh, the Inquisitor, which is Jason Isaacs. Okay. Great guy, by the way. Did you tell him we were so disappointed because he was starting to get really cool at the end of season one? I told him we had said that when they killed the Inquisitor, that was the beginning of the end of the show. And he laughed and he goes, oh, well, it lasted several seasons. And I looked at him and I go, it was never as good as when the Inquisitor was in. And like he smiled from year to year. He goes, I love to hear fans say that. <laughs> and I go, no, I'm serious. Like, we, we thought actually, it. I'm like, like, go back to our podcast. And I, I gave him one of our cards. I said, go listen. I'm serious. It's in there. We talked about we what's, talked how's it going to come back cool and what's it going to be. Right? Like we thought you would come back. And he thought he was going to come back. He said he's, the most disappointing moment, he said, was when he came in. And they're like, hey, we're ready to film your death today. And he goes, ha ha. And they're like, no, 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 we're serious. And Isaacs was like, wait, what? you're killing my character? You didn't even tell me? Like, Filoni never uh. even bothered to tell him. They just came in that day and they just dropped the, the hammer on him. And he's getting killed off. And he was very shocked. He was surprised they killed him as early That's as they disappointing. did. I, I didn't meet Hera. Uh, so, Scout's Honor, like, little thing here. That was going on... Well, where was I? Oh my gosh. See, there were so many things going on. I don't remember. That was the only one I didn't meet because of the way crazy things were going on. I think that's while I was at the Mando Mercs it was because Heather ran in. She grabbed that one. I went to the Mercs photo shoot and then she helped a stormtrooper and then came over to the Mercs photo shoot and helped me. So she got that for you. She got that for me. But she said that Hera looked at, even at the time, there was only like two other ones on there. And she goes... You're going to try to get all these, aren't you? And my wife's like, yeah. And she was really impressed with it. She heard, she saw the Galaxy cast, asked for, so my wife gave her a business card. Saw, she, what do you mean saw? Did she have a shirt on? Or? Well, it says oh, to the Galaxy right. cast from Tom gotcha, Gray from, gotcha. from when we were at Pittsburgh Comic Con. So she inquired about it. My wife, or Philadelphia, thank you. And so my wife made sure that she gave him, gave her a business card. Okay. Uh, I met Kanan, who is we are so Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. I'm, I am having, I am, my brain is a sieve for the you first know what, You know what's funny? 
I had a great conversation with Freddie Prince Jr. and my wife is standing next to me and for the first time ever I noticed she was like fanning a bit. Oh, she was fanning a lot. <laughs> she was fanning a lot. She couldn't believe she was that close to Freddie Prince Jr. in her life. She's like, I never thought I'd meet him that close. And I was like, Did you actually just fanboy over him? She goes, No, no, I didn't. You know, like because you know she she doesn't like to. Yeah. But she she totally fanboyed. He was a very cool guy. He was very impressed with all the signatures we were getting, and he said to me, he goes, "This is actually a really cool idea, and I more wish more people did this." And I looked at him, and I go, "There's not a lot of people." He goes, "No." He goes. Not, he's like, I wouldn't even expect like big posters. He goes, I'm signing like one-offs a lot. He goes, I'm not signing a lot of posters, which I was surprised. I mean, like with all the, the Star cast. Wars Rebels there, how many people had the opportunity <laughs> to get like three quarters, if not all the cast? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Zeb wasn't there. But like my plan is to find him at some point and, and grab him. And then I got to met Tika Sabine. What's that? Tika Sinclair. There we go. Tika Sinclair. Uh, she, Sabine was awesome. She was really cool. Very chill. Uh, I told her that like my daughter was really into her character because it's Mandalorian and it, mm-hmm. it transferred over. Um, she said she was really glad to kind of help like represent the Mandos and, and be a thing uh, in, in the Mandalorian. And she just said she liked the character because of kind of the re- rebel side of her, the way they wrote it in, and it kind of fit into her. Like you just talking to her, you could feel like that was her in that character. You know what I find interesting? What's that? You think we'll get a live action Sabine in Mandalorian? Maybe. And, you know, that was the weird thing, too. We talked about, like, I talked She's young enough, just before Star Wars, and there's no sign of her dying. Like, we were wondering, I postured, like, do you think, when do you think, how long do you think it is before they tap on us? Right. For the Mandalorian, which we'll get to the Mandalorian a little bit. And the ironic thing was, Filoni and Favreau have had discussions with the leadership of the Mercs, and they both agreed that they probably wouldn't tap on the group. Not because we're not good at what we do. As a matter of fact, we're so good at what we do, they respect it. And Filoni said his big fear would be if they tapped on one of us and somehow changed our character. So, like, if I'm a sniper and they suddenly made me a black ops guy, like, I would never be because of my coloring. But, you know, like, if they decided to do something that was totally against our character's backstory, they would feel like they're betraying us. And I never thought of it like that. And I guess Favreau had said, like, he'd love to take the time and get us involved, but his big fear would be, could he do any of our characters justice the way we could? And he says, he just, he is trying to stay away from that, at least for now. But, you know, I, I thought that was respectful. But there there was, like, talk about could Sabine possibly show up in The Mandalorian. But the way they talked in the panel... I don't think she'd fit in, and I, I when we get to talk about the Mandalorian, I'll explain why. There's there's a good reason for that. Okay. I did get the autograph of Bo-Katan, which was... Oh, did you? So I got a chance to meet um, Bo-Katan, Katie Sackhoff. Who also was in Battlestar Galactica. She was. And she is as cool as she is meeting her as she is on, like, Big Bang Theory. Or, I mean, like, seriously, like, very chill, down to earth. You know, I expected her to be a little kind of, like... She could have a big head really easy. I could see where Katie Sackhoff could have a big head. And and she didn't at all. She had a great conversation with me, my wife. Just very chill, you know? She uh, she even offered to, to like, lean over the table and take a picture. And I was like, I'm, I'm okay, because she had a ton, a huge line behind her. I'm like, I'm good. And I, and I moved on. Now, the one thing I did do that you suggested, which totally worked, I asked my Smash Kids... To come up with questions for Ahmed Best, because you pointed out that I'm going to go to a show, I'm about to meet Jar Jar, and the last thing he's going to want to talk about is more questions about Jar Jar, right. more questions about episode one. 
So I had my Smash Kids put like two questions together for Ahmed Best about being in Stomp. Now, not a lot of people know that Ahmed Get Best got his start in Stomp. Now, I run Smash, which is like a middle school, high school alternative to Stomp. When I went to him and I said, I'm here to ask some questions from my students. He kind of gave me this look like, what are we talking about Star Wars in school for, right? Like, And I'm like, I run a group called Smash. And like, it's a lot like Stomp. I was like, we... We communicate through percussion. We use 55-gallon drums. And, you know, I said we use Pringle cans like like drumsticks. He thought that was, like, the most amazing thing he'd ever heard in his life. I explained that a little bit. He lit up, like, beaming from ear to ear. And, like, loved the questions my kids asked. Like, one of the questions I asked was, like, how, how did you guys communicate within the group? Like, what did you do? And he talked about the hours of practice they spent just communicating within the rhythm itself. And then I asked him about practice time because they're always worried about, like, how much time should we be practicing at home? And he's like, oh, my gosh. So he went into this, like, regimen that they had. They were they were practicing, like, seven to eight hours while they were on tour. So they would go to a place. They'd practice for six. They'd do the gig. And he says, and before they would tear everything down, he said they could actually have to tell the tech guys to leave it up because they'd practice for another hour after they'd close the house just to keep themselves going for the next day when they got to the next spot and they practiced for another six hours. Yeah, that was their routine. He said, so eight hours just practicing while they were on tour, plus performing. So he said, you know, yeah, you get to a point where everybody's thinking for everybody else or is doing for everybody else. And uh, But it was really cool to talk to him and get him out of that um, jar jar zone. You can yeah, tell, yeah. like, he... I, I could see it in his eyes and his face a little bit, like... He was done talking about that. But to what talk day to of the convention else, did you get to him? Well, that was the thing. Like I, <laughs> this is where I didn't like the lottery system. Let me tell you something. I had, I had, I prepaid for my autographs, and I had a Med Best autograph on Sunday at 10 a.m. I never in my wildest dreams thought I was going to get an, a lottery ticket into the Mandalorian. I figured. There's just no way. I know I don't have that good of luck in my life. It's just not going to happen. And sure enough, we're driving out Thursday night, and I get an email. Oh, you got into the Mandalorian panel at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, there is no way I'm getting Ahmed's autograph right. and getting into the Mandalorian. So I get there, and one of the first things I did was I went to the autograph booth, and I'm like, I, I'm not giving up my Mandalorian. I'm like, I'd hate to lose this autograph. Like, I would be heartbroken I'm like, I don't think you all realize how much of a Jar Jar fan you are looking at right now. But at the same time, I got to go to that Mandalorian panel. Like, that's like my life right now, my I Ching. They were really nice about it. They tried to find some. We couldn't find one that was working. And then finally, they moved me to Saturday. Um, somebody had given their ticket up that morning. And I just happened to time it right on Friday. And I got there. So I bumped myself to Saturday. So, so you're talking middle of the con. Um, but you could—he was you already could, hitting fatigue. Yeah, yeah, you could already kind of see he was hitting some fatigue. <clears throat> I think part of it too. It's interesting. I don't think Ahmed Best saw himself as a hero at all, right? When he came on the stage for the Phantom Menace reveal, now this was on Monday. I was touring Chicago at this point, but I'd watched the video and I—I I was so proud of my community for this. He got a standing ovation, and I—I I really think for two reasons. First off, everybody that met him at that con. He is the most amazing guy, uh, probably of all the actors I've met. He's right there with Daniel Logan, as far as actors I've met. Really nice, down to earth. You could tell he had put his heart and soul into this character, and unfortunately, some of the fandom. And I, this is the interesting thing: I don't think it was the fandom that was there. The fandom outside of that place 
had brought him down. But yeah. everybody that was there loved him. Like, I was not, I thought it would be the only person in line with, like, a Jar Jar figure, right? Tons of people with Jar Jar figures, Jar Jar hats, Jar Jar everything, getting him to sign it. And I, I just, I kind of said when I walked away, I said, I hope you know that people bringing figures in and not getting, like, just a, like, a picture signed by you, that actually shows some dedication. I'm like, I'm looking at this line, looking at all the dedication. That's how much they loved Jar Jar. And I said, I hope you know that there are a lot of fans who liked that character for exactly for what Jar Jar was. I said, don't ever, ever, ever let that be the thing that brings you down. I said, because remember this, the line behind me, this is the group of people that are always going to be there for you as an actor. And he, he said, I appreciate that. He goes, There's, I, I'm starting to realize that now at this time. So I think it was the first time he felt some love. And he needed it. I could tell just by looking at it. He ne- he needed some sort of love for the Star Wars fans. And so I mean, he, it was but good he really him. liked the stomp kind of stuff? Totally. Totally <laughs> dug it. Was totally, I mean, we had a 15-minute conversation. To the point that his manager's like, okay, Ahmed, we got we to gotta, you know, roll. You know? And he's like, but I'm talking to this guy about stomp. You know? like, so he, he was definitely into the conversation. I'm glad you mentioned that and thought of it. And um, It was a really good idea. And, and it gave me a chance to talk about something other than just Star Wars with these guys. And you got a signature. I, hang on, I'll show you. So the whole night before, I was trying to figure. I had my whole, I had my whole Jar Jar shelf pulled apart. I was like, "What do I get him to sign? What do I get him to sign?" And I couldn't help it. I was like, "All right, this is big enough that he's got plenty of space on it." So I pulled out my twelve inch. I think no, that's not my twelve inch. That's my fourteen inch <laughs> posable. This is figure. Be- this is becoming an adults only <laughs> podcast. I don't want to see that fourteen. It even says four and up, right? <laughs> All right, um, um, one of my posable figures, and he just wrote on the he signed it, and he um, put Ahmed Best is Jar Jar Minks, and put it right on the picture above Jar Jar on the back of the package. And it was funny because Heather pointed out as we're going in, she's like, "This is like the worst package ever. Look at this, the the tapes off of it." She's like, "It's not even mint in box anymore." And I'm like, <laughs> "Shut up!" I'm like, "I want to get this thing signed." So I was just happy that we got it signed. That's, that's, that's what I got you for. Uh... A gag gift at Albany Comic Con. It is, yes. And that's kind of one of the reasons I got it, too, because I was like, you know what? Gary was having fun with this. I'm like, but I'm going to make it serious and have Jar Jar's signature on it. So I, I kind of felt like it it deserved to have a serious moment with it, too. And um, it was just, it was it was kind of cool to meet him and, and get to know him and so even s- just spend 15 minutes with him. So sliding off of that and the autograph question, the only, one of the <clears throat> companion questions I have was, were there any special celebrity encounters you had? Was there anything else other than just autographs? That was the weird thing. The the way they were handling the celebrities, the security, oh my gosh, was so tight. Except for at the Hilton or the Hyatt. If you stayed at the Hyatt, you ran into people like Warwick Davis and other people. I had friends, James Fess from the from the garrison, ran into Warwick Davis on his way up on the elevator and took a picture with him. But it was very few and far between to see them just walking around. Um, unless you were by the the Star Wars live show stage and every once in a while, like John Boyega showed up over there, but he was in street clothes. So a lot, a lot of people knew it was him. <laughs> didn't recognize him. Didn't recognize him. I, I walked right past, I didn't even know I did it. And and it was funny because two Mandos pointed out to me, I walked right past the Mandalorian. I, I walked right by him. Oh, really? Pedro yeah, Pascal? Pedro Pascal walked right by me. I, I didn't even, like, it didn't even dawn on me. And one of the guys says, oh my God, you just walked back Pedro. And I went, Oh, yeah, look at that. I, did. I was like, kind of like, it was too late now, you know? Um, but he was walking out to go onto the stage. So if they were they were doing the live, but that's the weird thing. They were beelining it for that stage. So you didn't have a yeah. chance, really. 
Um, so you know, I. But the stage sounds cool. I mean, having people do interviews and, and having a stage there. in the center was such a cool <clears throat> thing because when a big reveal came, everybody stopped where they were, turned, looked at the stage, and they put the stage dead center on the floor. You think so a smart idea. So yeah, I, it's absolutely smart because then when somebody big was on the stage, everybody would stop, turn, and look. When the episode nine trailer was released, I was out with Amanda was taking my picture. I came back and. Everybody was raving about the trailer, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, I'll watch it at home. And just as I said that, the main stage goes, and we're going to do the trailer again. And then they they brought up Palpatine saying, roll it again. <laughs> and then they, they, I was like, oh, cool. So we all stopped and watched the trailer right there. So that was the cool thing about the stage is the stage, if you missed something somewhere along the way, it would show up on the big screen on, on the stage, and you could watch it. So well, it he brought up cool. the trailer. Maybe we should get into that and do the yeah, play the trailer and talk about that because we're hitting yeah. the end of hour one where we've kind of covered <laughs> the experience. Now maybe we should get into some of the content. Because <clears throat> that is amazing in and of itself. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. When I found out I had atrial fibrillation, a serious but highly treatable heart condition, First thing I thought of was, who would take care of my wife and children if anything were to happen to me? My doctor recommended Provactin. I had a lot of questions, so I did some research. It turns out Provactin is the number one recommended drug for Crohn's disease. I think my doctor's trying to kill me and steal my wife. Doctors, they'll stop at nothing to get your wife. The future is now. The future is in the cloud. Cloud computing. What's cloud computing? Imagine a computer you share with everyone. Imagine your private data spread around the world, being shared equally with everyone. It's the cloud. I'm in the cloud. It's utopia. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Imagine instead of your own computer, it's a giant one we all share together. Your data is safe. It's in the cloud. Everyone's in the cloud. Live life surrounded by the mists of time with Cumulonimbus Computing. The cloud is hard to describe. You can't see when you're in it. And when you get close, it disappears. Where'd the cloud go? Now, when your data is damaged, you don't need to fire the IT department. You can fire the internet. You're fired, internet. We've taken the metaphor to extremes because when you're in the cloud, lightning won't strike. It's Cumulonimbus Computing. I'm really in the clouds. You're in the clouds now. Boba Fett, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, and 18 other action figures, all from Kenner Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection, each sold separately. At participating stores, you can check specially marked packages for details on how to get the secret figure. New Boss, Alien Bounty Hunter, not available in stores yet, free with four proofs of purchase from any of the Empire Strikes Back action figures. Offer expires May 31st, 1980. Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Boba Fett, and other action figures, each sold separately. From Kenner Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. 
we look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. All right, so let's talk about the first trailer. I know, now I'm driving, but here we go. Uh, So the first one that came out actually was on Friday morning, which was the Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker trailer. Yes, the title reveal, too, was also. No one knew it until this point. Yep, so here it is. So that was the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. And, of course, immediately the discussion around the entire hall was, what does Rise of Skywalker mean? What does Rise of Skywalker mean? And and there's been a million fan theories postured about what Rise of Skywalker means. I have my own theory mm-hmm. about what it is. I think Skywalker is not going to be a name. Right. I think you're thinking the way I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a reference to Jedi now. Yeah. So if we're not they're gonna not going to be Jedi or Sith. They'll just be Skywalkers. Yeah, they're going to be Skywalkers. So I'm a Skywalker yeah. like my father before me or whatever, right? Um, so that that's my my postured theory about what that I think it's going to be a nothing when it comes right down to it. The rise of Skywalker is going to be like the rise of the Jedi, right? Like right. it's going to be a different way of thinking. What I did find interesting, and I don't know if you guys caught onto it in the news, not too long after the trailer came out, so I'd say maybe a day, maybe two, uh, Disney on, right off the bat went into there'll be a hiatus after this movie. Yeah, I've heard that. That the, the, after this, they're taking a little break from movies. With, and I, I kinda, with as much TV they've got coming out, they can. I and they can. And part of me kind of went, yes, you need to do that. Like, I think they've realized the mistake they made with Solo and Last Jedi and all that. I really do think they're learning from their mistakes, and I think they're trying to fix it. <clears throat> I think Kathleen Kennedy is realizing that they can't just slap a Star Wars name on something and hope that it's going to make money. Um, it's just not going to work that way. Right and now, that's not to say they slapped a name on Solo. Solo was a, a well. Lot I'm not of work. talking about Solo. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it's the Last Jedi that really is yeah, the one. That's the sore one spot. It is. It's a very sore spot amongst a lot of fans, and some love it, some dislike it. I'm on the dislike side, but not the ta- toxic fandom side. I don't hate the thing to the I, point. where I, I agree want with you. I'm things, on the dislike, but, but not I didn't like, like it. Like burn the house right. down, hate it. I just um, I didn't like the story. We've discussed all this on the podcast. The story direction. The, the thing that always bothered me was you have a trilogy. You should have a story plan for that trilogy, and the fact that someone is coming along and just changing it all around because they want to to explore different ideas. You're ignoring your structure. Well, one of the rumors about why they are putting a gap between the others and this one is they're hoping that the fan will, fandom will die down about Ryan Johnson since he's already been tapped for the next three. Right. I think that's a mistake. I, I think they're better off at this point ditching Ryan Johnson and, heck, find a brand new director. I don't care, but, yeah. like, I, I don't think Ryan Johnson's a good call. I'm hoping Kathleen Kennedy is listening to the fans on that one. And decides maybe to change direction on that. I just don't think he's going to be a good call. I mean, there are things about Last Jedi that are really cool. Visually, it had some striking visuals. Um, the You know, the use of red and the, the things that happened. Yep. You know, there were some neat moments. But when you're building a nine-movie story arc, you can't just up and say, at number eight, I want to start making it about something else. Right. It's just a bad direction to go in. 
So what did you guys think of the visuals in the trailer? Uh, surprised by how sparse things looked. A yeah. lot of empty space, a lot of wide open empty space. I'm used to seeing Star Wars and being like it's populated with fantastical characters. And oh my God, you know, it's like I think about the, the prequel trilogy and how each trailer introduced something in that trailer that like we saw Darth Maul for the first time. We're like, what the, a double-sided lightsaber. Right, right. We saw General Grievous for the first time and we were just like, that's a cool looking and character. And you actually what the heck see chorus on yeah. it. You know, what you mean? know we like, got to see things with those. And in this, it felt very empty. I just had a feeling of a lot of emptiness. Now, there were shots of them, you know, the ship flying down into what looked like a very big populated city. Right. <clears throat> which online, people already pointed out that that ship looks to be the same shape as the one that's leaving Jakku when you see the flashback of, yep. of Rey. And they think this might be about what the parentage or whoever the people were that left her or whatever they decided to do. Obviously, there's more going on. I saw one shot of a space battle in that entire teaser. And all you see is a ship on fire or whatever going through. Right. So you didn't see much with space battles. They showed... They didn't even show, uh, they showed Kylo Ren in, er, in one shot without his mask. Without his helmet. Without his helmet. Even though they show and a lot of using, him fixing it. This is the part a lot of people miss. Using the crossblade, <clears throat> not the blade. Right, the he, stab- cross blade. he picks the guy up with the crossblade and slams him down. Kind of a cool shot. Yeah, yeah it's kind of more like a, uh, a wrestling move. They right. run out of and they hit him with the crossblade. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not even convinced that it's him flying the TIE Fighter. Coming, I don't think, coming I don't think it is. Um, you know, I feel like that's... Uh, I think it's a, a Knight of Ren. It could be that, yeah. Then maybe I think it's Poe. <laughs> it's <laughs> Poe. Um, so, it, but it felt like even the chase sequence where we do see briefly Poe and uh, them on what looks like a skiff of some kind being chased by speeder bikes or whatever. Um, I'm like, it's again a wide open alleyway type thing. I yep. have a feeling that must take place on the same planet wherever she is off doing her now, thing. Now, if you were to guess on a planet, where do you think she is? Tatooine. People say that. Is she back on Tatooine? It's kind of hard not to, right? Like, but you, it doesn't quite look like Tatooine. Tatooine has a look to it. Well, if you think of the Jutland Waste all the way back at New a Hope, little bit, right? Like, I guess. It's got that feel and to it. And maybe we're going back to Tatooine and maybe we're back to another Death Star. It's like, I didn't... <laughs> I'm okay with the fact that it's a shell, a piece of the Death Star. At least they didn't build a new one. What we're doing mm-hmm. is we're traveling to a piece that ended up somewhere. I'm fine with that. As long as the Death Star is not in our weapon that's being rebuilt. Again, right. you know. Right. Um, <clears throat> I just, I really hope we finally get some originality in this one. <laughs> because we've beat it to death that episode seven was A New Hope. It was a remake. And, and episode eight was very much like Empire in a lot of ways. Um, right down to the Walker scene instead mm-hmm. of on Hoth and going to the right instead of going to the left and anything. Um, I really hope it's a different... The structures have been too similar for me. So I'm hoping <clears throat> there is a new structure to Episode Nine. It doesn't follow the Return of the Jedi uh, approach, which if it does, it'll start off on Tatooine, <laughs> which maybe those scenes right. are early on and Where she's hunting are. down Knights of Ren. And that's we've what we're seeing is not a, a climactic moment, but an early moment, you know, and... I don't know. So they, they did reveal in the panel that it is supposed to be set like three or four years after Last Jedi. Okay. So we are talking a couple years There's in the future. Span. There's a time span. <laughs> in I'm I, as always. I'm interested. They'll have me in the seats. I just <clears throat> the the shine is off right now. Yeah. After two movies where, and granted, I'll admit, after this trailer came out, I went and I rewatched The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to go back to number seven and give it another chance. And I'm good with it. I'd say I'm about 75% good with it. It, it. Not even, maybe 60. It's got, it's nice to see certain things and they do okay with some moments, but I still feel like it's enormous wasted potential and it is just a new hope again. And those, those aspects of it really bother me. 
Um, and some of the flips the story has to take to put people in the right places at the right time to witness things and all the stuff that happens. So I still don't think it's a great movie. I'm just hoping we get a really good, adventurous, rousing, action, whatever movie. How much Palpatine's involved makes me nervous. Because if it's again relying on an old character to come back, <clears throat> is he a ghost? Is he a spirit stuck on that shell of the Death Star, but his ability to reach out in spirit form is so powerful from the other side that he's manipulating things and he's pulling the strings? Okay, that's kind of cool. I, it's a different idea. If it's just him, he survived, and he's back, I'm going to be kind of like, it's the same villain again, you know? So I, I don't know how they're going to... Is it going to be a clone? Is it going to be... Is, that's who Snoke was? I mean, there's all sorts of things. So I don't know what they're going to do, and I just hope it's different enough and interesting enough that it keeps me. What do you, you think of it, Gary? <coughs> I know now I'm back to hosting. I can't help uh, it. That's fine. We'll, we'll go back to interviewing you here shortly. <laughs> um, what I think it is is they are on Tatooine. What is on Tatooine originally? You had uh, Anakin growing up there. You had Luke growing up there. <coughs> you have uh, Obi-Wan being, being there. Yep. Then you got Anakin slaughtering the... Um, Tuscans, mm-hmm. which is a a turn to the dark side, right? And you got Maul's death there. No, by, uh, yeah, later, yeah, but, in the Clone Wars. Yeah, correct. But I'm just saying, oh, there's yeah. different things that are there. I was thinking of Phantom Menace. When, for you, a second. Right. when you think of the power of Tatooine within the Force, right? It's a powerful place. So, do you think like we're gonna get that the First Order's gone so powerful. Knights of Ren are building temples. That's an evil place. They well, go there to take it out. Well, that's that, that's the uh, one of the theories I have is that uh, there's a temple there, whether uh, a Jedi temple there, whether it's um, uh, something that Obi Wan had built or someone else had built before Obi Wan, but that's why he was drawn to go to Tatooine. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm even wondering if there's just artifacts there. Well, let let, let me keep going. Palpatine is the one that fathered Anakin. True. By manipulating the Metaclorians and Shmi. So there's got to be something there. So you think we'll see that as becoming canon, that he will... I mean, apparently they're saying that in the comics, which is supposed to be canon. Yes. But I I still go, comics are not quite canon. It's not in the movie. Yeah. And here's the thing. If they're going to tell that story... They're going to have to show it in the movie because so many people haven't read the comics. Right. So they've, if that, be, if they're like, yes, this is what we really want to do, well, the, then this movie might open up with a young Palpatine showing up and messing with her or something. You know, that's it. May right. literally have to be the opening. Right. And then <clears throat> Rebels opened up a big can, can of worms. worms in the last season. The whole time travel thing inside. <clears throat> the, yeah, from, the temple. Temple, from temple to temple. Right. right. Manipulation. And Which I don't like. But I don't like it either. But that's how they But they opened it. Right. And I think that's what they're going to use to bring Palpatine back in this thing. I, I, so you think maybe the Knights of Ren are trying to get him? Like they want their leader back or something? Well, they, 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 they picked him as he's falling out of the Death Star. Or the falling down the shaft in the Death Star. Picked him out of it. I, I, but then what caused the explosion? We saw all that energy burst up in, in the shot. Well, that could be part of the... The Death Star itself falling apart. I mean, like... Remember, at that point, you're yeah, also... It, it's all simultaneous. Simultaneous I don't things think are they, I don't think they did the shots yet, though. I think that happens, like, right after that scene. Yeah. We the, make the assumption that's the case because of the way the movie... Right, right. Like, think about how many things in George Lucas's movies happen at the same time. Yeah. But you're watching them 
out of order, out of sync, just slightly, just because of the what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, and or maybe that's the power that you see when them, when they pluck them out of the the, the sky there. Right. Now I got a different the theory. I got I got a different one completely. And I think this. I think you were on something, and and you you've abandoned your idea, and I think you need to go back to it. I think he's still mastered the idea that he can create life from lifelessness, right? So I think Palpatine was Snoke. I think he embodied Snoke. I think he's figured out how to go from body to body. Well, well. He embodied Snoke. Snoke, he knew Snoke was going to get killed. Snoke did some weird things before he got killed. Okay, right? well, let's go to the step, <coughs> a, step, a step further than that. Uh, Palpatine killed Plagueis. Right. Who was to say Plagueis didn't jump into Palpatine at that point? Could be. But I'm sticking with the Palpatine figured it out where Plagueis didn't. That's where I'm at. No, I, I think Plagueis had it all along, and he just... Uh, didn't want to tell him. Right, and then swapped bodies on uh, Palpatine and... I'm going to stick with the whole Palpatine, only so, because it makes it easier for Disney. Yeah. And they don't have to try to explain Plagueis and all that craziness. But if he could jump from his body to yeah. someone else's, get to, get to Snoke, Snoke dies. Now, notice what happened to Ren... After Snoke died, he got a little more angry, a little more aggressive, a little more, uh, I don't know, presumptuous, right, of himself. That seems very Palpatine-ish to me. So what if he jumped into Kylo uh, Kylo Ren's body, and now he's searching for another, you get what I'm saying? So, like, maybe he's mastered that ability to jump from body to body, and Rey suddenly has to figure out how do I kill a guy who basically can jump from body to body. There's got to be another way to do it. You know what I mean? And that, that's her big thing she's got to figure out by the end of the movie. And maybe that's what she's on Tatooine for, is looking for some sort of something in a Jedi scrolls and an old text and something that explains to her how to take care of a Sith who can basically jump from body to body and embody himself in another place at another time. Well, he had uh, two people right there he could hopped into. That's what I'm saying. Why, 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 why would he take the weaker of the two? Why take Kylo? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Because he's been a... And not Ray. Well, because he's been a loyal subject all this time. And Ray's already a Jedi. Could Ray, could Ray have resisted? That's Kylo what I'm saying. Couldn't. Ray could, might not be able to so. resist him. She's a Skywalker, maybe. She might have been able to resist him where Ben didn't seem to have that ability or, or at least he hearkened to Snoke so much that... So how much do you think... He can finish this with the original ideas he set in place when he wrote Force Awakens and set guidelines down for the next two movies where the story was going to go. How much of it can he get back to with that and how much is he having to – he had to change his plan? I mean, what do you think? I think the implications of that were supposed to be set up in The Last Jedi towards the end and they never happened. I think it's why we got the crappy ending we got out of The Last Jedi. Which could have been an amazing ending. It had this kind of a thing been revealed, and I think we missed it. I think it hit a cutting room floor somewhere, and I, I really think that that's what Abrams is trying to fix now, was the fact that Palpatine was supposed to be still <clears throat> floating out there somewhere, manipulating all this stuff and kind of playing his role. I think the hint was given in the Clone Wars, too. I think Filoni, 
was even trying to parallel this all, right? And then all of a sudden, yeah, Johnson comes along, and even Felonia kind of went thing went, what WTF? Like, the, that doesn't even line up with the stuff I just put in the Clone Wars, you idiot. Like, nothing in the Clone Wars suddenly <laughs> makes sense, or the Rebels, for that matter, towards the end, right. when they brought Palpatine back. That didn't make any sense, because why? Well, we didn't set up what we were supposed to set up in The Last Jedi, which is Palpatine's able to jump from body to body. All of a sudden, those two things don't make any sense at all. Unless he's able to do that, so well, so, this is a lot of speculation on our part. It we'll is see total it speculation. I get it, but I think the most amazing part of that whole thing, from talking to everybody who was in that panel, was when Ian McDermott came out and went roll it again, and everybody was like, "Yeah!" Like that was like the most exciting thing. But everybody admitted that if you were in there and you were a fan of the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. There was electric energy from that crowd. Yeah, kind I, heard, like I saw like, a video. Of people like every time she turned the lightsaber on, ooh, you know, like she jumped in the air. Ah, oh, you know, they said there was that, but they said there was another half of the room that was just kind of like, uh. <laughs> you know, and, and and it was kind of like they said that it felt like there was half the room that was like totally in the last Jedi, everything else, and like that's our Star Wars, and then there's another half of the room that's kind of like this is total bullshit. <laughs> like, well, and they just kind of, and I don't think you could have changed that group's mind, right? They had already made up their mind after The Last Jedi, and they weren't going to change it. Well, because here's the thing. This is obviously a continuation from The Last... It has to be a continuation right. from The Last Jedi, so those naysayers and detractors of that movie are going to hate the fact that it's not a complete reboot. And like, oh, someone wakes up, and The Last Jedi was all a dream sequence. Here's you know? the big thing, I think, that a lot of the old fans... Or the fact that since we don't, we only got Luke as a narration, I think a lot of people were hoping he survived somehow and gets redeemed, and they're finding out, no, he really okay, well, died. You just way. hit on two things that, that the old fans, I think, were disappointed with. First off, no Luke anywhere. Right. In a narration only. The second part, this is the part a lot of people didn't catch on to, no R2. Right, I caught that, yeah. Not and anywhere. Not anywhere. Not even on the poster. <clears throat> and I know the older fans went, what the WTF with that? Because they were like... That's my that everything was told through CP3PO through R2. If R2's a dead stick, what am I watching this for? It's kind of like the reaction I got from. Well, where was R2 left off at the end of Last Jedi? Was he? Where was he? I don't. Was he on the ship? He was on the Millennium Falcon with With the the Rebels. Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. So to lose him or not have, I don't know. I think he'll be in it, of course. I don't think I he's hope gone. so. No, I don't think he's gone. But, but he hasn't shown up in any posters, again, any trailers. Maybe there's anything. a surprise. Maybe he looks different. Maybe it's a reveal well, to come later. That's a lot of people are saying. What if DDO is R two in another form? Maybe they took all his right, right. memories and put it into DDO, and now R two is DDO. Right. Well, well, I'm I'm thinking what's going. What you're going to see is uh, R two get destroyed, possibly. Maybe that's what I'm thinking because that's the way. To me, that's the way it should end. There's to me, the other visuals that I thought were eye-catching. First off, the Millennium Falcon being flown by... Lando. Lando. In his yeah. yellow shirt. In his yellow shirt, which I think is... It says something. I, yeah. I, I think it's a nice harken back to, to Glover and, and the work that he did with Solo. And to say, hey, we're not forgetting the Han Solo movie. It was a good right. movie and right. we're sticking by it. I, I thought the other visual that a lot of people missed... Yeah, you had that TIE fighter coming down and... right. What came out of the dang dust cloud that was flying? Did you catch that? Nobody caught that. And that dust was a, cloud that was when? Yeah, when? When, when they're just before you see C3PO and Poe Dameron and those guys. Oh, on the I, skip. Well, something was fine. I told you, two of them look like uh, speeder bikes. Yeah, speeder bikes. With yeah. stormtroopers on them. I don't think. Yeah. I, I have a dis. I think those are Mandos with jetpacks. No. That's what I like think. It. it didn't look like it to me. But, and I'm talking about the white Mando, right? The original. Oh, yeah. 
But that's why I wanted to watch the trailer again. We'll, we'll watch it we'll again watch later it. and take a look. But, um, but yeah, so... <coughs> the, Anyway. And that kind of explains why you see Poe in his Indiana Jones outfit. He's got the scarf now. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and they're looking for the art, lost artifact that they yeah. need to... And I did like the touch of showing Leia holding Han's medal yeah. from A New Hope. Um, that was a nice little moment. I th- hopefully we're going to get... Hans or is it Luke's? That's the oh, weird... Oh, it could be either. That's I, true. I'm thinking it's Hans. I'm, I'm thinking, thinking it's Hans, Hans but... Because that's the theory that came online. Like, what if it's Luke's and Luke's particular one's got some sort of right spirit behind it as it were like because right. luke's around. i don't know It'd but that's that's the other problem i have is i don't think i'm ever gonna forgive him <laughs> for agreeing and getting greenlit a new trilogy getting all the old actors to agree to come back mm-hmm. just to kill them off basically well, the only interaction we and not only that but separate the only interaction we got with all these great characters was Han and Leia talking awkwardly outside a ship when she landed, and a few minutes of them talking about their son in the base. You know, and it, that's it. That's the, the out of all the characters they had, that's the only interaction they ever got to do. That's just stupid. I, I also found it interesting that even even Mark Hamill has said one of the biggest missed yes, moments. He has said it many times. He's said it many times. Is that all of them didn't get back together in one scene? Like. They Luke Han, Leia, Chewbacca. Could you imagine C-3PO, someone saying, give them two minutes of dialogue mm-hmm. where they get to riff off each other and play off the old... Uh, I don't think you need to do that. Just one big hug. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fans would have been in tears. Yeah. But we didn't, oh, we're not going to get it now. Just, just have Luke come save the day and have Han tell him, I owe you another one. Right. Something. I owe you again. No, no, here's something I just thought. Maybe that uh, metal is actually Luke's. Yavin was also a Jedi temple. It was. Um, what if Anakin? He's in this. Is they've, um, they've mentioned that Hayden Christensen has got right. a part in this, whether or not it's a Force ghost or what. What if Anakin can can communicate with Leia through that metal because it was on Yavin? Maybe. I okay. wonder how much uh, Hayden came back to do a final ghost shot at the end of the whole family. You know, like we're going to see Han and Leia and Luke all in ghost form. And that's the moment we'll get them together done digitally. Maybe. That's what I think we're going to get. Maybe. With a Anakin looking older and, you know, whatever. And a, and a, an Obi-Wan. And, a, and, and an Yoda, Obi-Wan. And maybe a, McGregor even playing the Obi-Wan. Right. And we'll get that shot. That's what they'll consider. We gave it to you finally. Here's the shot of all the ghosts together. And Frank Oz. <laughs> Yoda. Yoda will be there. No, no, no Frank, Frank Oz. <laughs> R2 in ghost form because yep. he's going to get destroyed this moment. Yep, yep. <laughs> Okay, so the next one that I think you guys wanted to talk about, right, was the uh, the season seven trailer yes. for Clone Wars. Yes. So this this is this one. So that uh, that was the trailer for season seven of the Clone Wars, which is supposed to be part of the Disney Plus package. That's why I'm like, how could I not get it at this point? Between that right. and the Mandalorian, it's like you, you just who isn't gonna buy this for seven bucks a month? I mean, right. at this point, it's it's crazy. So what you what struck you guys about that trailer? That it Anything? seems to be all about Ahsoka. All about Ahsoka. Like, like it's like, it's like I, don't her story. Even, I think Anakin's going to take a backseat. Windu's going to take a back. Everybody. Didn't he, did I even see Obi Wan in that? Uh, no. And Yoda, I don't think even appeared in there. He mentions either. Yoda. At one they mention him, but and you hear his voice. See him, but you don't actually yeah. see him. Uh, Ahsoka gets her own clone group. Thank you. That's the part I noticed. They call her Commander. Yeah. Welcome back. Does that well, mean she? They say welcome back, Commander. 
it's an overlay with a shot of her, whether or not it's referencing her at that point. But did she well, come back to the order? She walked away. She she comes walking out with Anakin, and Rex says, attention to everybody. Right. Then hands her the clone helmet that's in her colors. Right. That was the big reveal, is the, clo- the, the helmets are in her color, which I didn't even think about when I saw them initially. Okay. But then they call her commander, and I was kind of like... Wait, is she back in the order? Is she not? It, are they desperate? Uh, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Maybe towards the end of the Clone Wars, they're just that desperate. That You know what I mean? They're running out of Jedi. They're running out of commanders. Maybe they have to go find Ahsoka and, like, beg her to come back to the order to lead this ultra-special unit to try to put an end to this thing. You know what I mean? I, don't, I It's got me excited where before I was kind of like, not another Clone Wars. But now I'm kind of like, this actually looks pretty cool. It does. And if it's going to be Ahsoka centric, it's got to end with finding out how she vanished. Because right before she goes into Rebels, Rebels, right? she's she's uh, like we all assumed, right? That whatever happened at the end of Clone Wars is what caused her to vanish. But obviously, something else is going to have to happen here in order to get her to vanish yeah. completely for the Rebels to try to have to go and survive and Order sixty six. Correct. She has to survive that the Order sixty six too. What you guys think of, of showing Maul, the Mandos, all that crazy mm-hmm. stuff from it was before? Good to see, I'm glad to see Maul. I mean, I always like more Maul. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to explain Maul away, though, at this point? like This is bef- this is before Rebels, so he hasn't been killed by Obi-Wan. Right. So so they fight. Her. I guess that's true, yeah. It, uh, Maul and Ahsoka fight. Neither will and, get killed. And, neither, and both of them hurt each other so yeah. that... You know they fight to a draw, but they're they're both are hurt. Yeah, right. Because if you remember in Rebels, Maul wasn't he wasn't one hundred percent at that point. Right. Yeah, he looked he looked bad. And maybe right. this is the thing that brings him to that to that point. Right. It, which would explain why Ahsoka just kind of like disappears too. <laughs> I'm also hoping that they at least uh, fix the dark saber problem. How did the dark saber go from Bo Katan? To Ren's family on Mandalore. Remember, there was that gap. Like we don't know how the dark yeah. saber got from one to the other. I'm hoping season seven will at least fix that gap, and we figure out how the dark saber moved from. It was nice to one see good to fight other. choreography again, right? There like, were some great sequences. There were some that. great sequences. I thought the one sniper shot where it bounced all down, down the, the hallway hall and taken cool. out. But that was cool. I was like, dude, that's somebody. Like, and again, I can't help but think it's Dave Filoni directing these things, who knows how to choreograph. These little things that make something like that seem plausible. You know, now if we could just get him to direct freaking well, resistance so no, wait, or she something. Was fighting, you know? She was fighting clone troopers, wasn't she, at the end? When she rode out on the backpack. Was she? Or were those Mandos? Oh, I Mando. thought they were Mandos she was fighting. I mean, I I'm, wondering if there's, I'm wondering if a bit of this takes place after 66. If it, it might. If, like, the last episode we see yeah, how may, she gets may, Maybe her group turns on her with Order 66, too. Yeah, kind of kind of like everybody else's did. Yeah. And, and then and, she uh, has to go into hiding or whatever. And Bo-Katan saves her. <clears throat> maybe. Yeah, maybe she goes to the Mandos as, a, as a, re, a refuge, a place of resort. But that's why I'm wondering if we'll get some of that closer. It's, it's kind of fun. I'm yeah. sorry. It just really is I fun do, to think which about. Which reminds me of a meme I saw today where it's... Uh, one of the clone troopers handing Obi-Wan his lightsaber back in uh, Revenge of the Sith uh-huh. after he drops it fighting the Grievous. He goes, you dropped this, sir, you know, and he takes it. And then uh, it cuts to a shot of Palpatine, execute order 66. And then it cuts back to the clone trooper. You literally couldn't do this like a minute ago. I just gave it back his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> now, before you do, we go back on this, yes. right, we got to go back to interviewing you. Yeah. <coughs> Lead away. Okay. The biggest question I got for you. Yes. Is out of everything you've seen, what made you pee your pants? Probably the Mandalorian panel. 
Which is why he's asking now, because we figured that would lead. Yeah, it it. it uh, I fanboyed during the main. I I actually, I can say this because my I can't. My wife's able to testify to this. I cried. I cried when we watched. They let us see the first ten minutes of it, and of what the very first episode? Yeah. Okay. And I got to tell you, it felt so more. And, and this is where I couldn't. So did it, it feel more wife. Star Warsy than the movies we've been getting? That's that's what exactly what I'm getting at. It felt so much more like Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, New Hope than any movie we've seen in the last decade or more. That I I cried because it was kind of like, oh my gosh, John Favreau brought my childhood back, where everybody else failed, where I kind of felt like JJ fell short, where I felt like Rian destroyed. All that stuff, all that faith I had lost in everything, and even though I liked Solo, it still didn't feel. It wasn't fully there, right? It wasn't fully there. I, I really think I give Ron credit. He tried. He tried so hard to get it back, but it just wasn't quite there. And I think he had so little. to And work I'm sorry. With. I think it was. I think a I don't big think chunk it was of his it, fault. I it, really don't. I put a lot of it on having a visual of a lead character who didn't look like the lead character. Right. Now. It, right. It's hard to get past that. So. The Mandalorian, just every scene that we saw, it was like shot for shot. Everything was just felt so Star Warsy. One thing they revealed in the panel, so now I can talk about the panel I sat in on because I've been dying. First off, the energy in that room was unbelievable. Like, I mean, like everybody, not just the Mandalorian mercs, everybody was clamoring in that panel. And it was funny because the talk in the room was, yeah, I swear to God, if this doesn't meet up with my old Star Wars standards, I'm done. Because it was like everybody saw, who didn't like Episode Nine saw that trailer and went, there we go, yet again. You know, right. like the old Star Wars, that's that's not what I want. I want my Star Wars. You're bringing in the new and I don't like that. So everybody was waiting, like on bated breath, can this thing do what Favreau said he was going to do? And I got to tell you, between the teaser trailer he gave us, the test footage he showed us, Pablo Pascal, I can't, I can't say enough about this guy. He convinced me that he knows that there's a lot of weight on them. Uh, Gianna, I, I really think she was Who? like uh, Giancarlo. Is that what oh, her name is? The MMA fighter. Yeah. Um, let me let me pull up her name. Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Thank you. She. Uh, she really, to me, I think, may make this show later on. And I say that because she said when she got there, and they were first talking to her about a part, she, she at first, Gina said she, she kind of thought, well, I don't know what this is for, because they really weren't describing it to her. And then when they finally told her, well, this is going to be a Star Wars character, she said, I sat back in my chair and went, whoa, wait, what? Like she's like like the weight of the world suddenly hit her and she suddenly realized this is huge. Like this isn't just me. Like she knew all of a sudden that it completely changed the way she was going to be viewing everything she was doing. And then revealing Carl Weathers, right? The place erupted. I mean, it erupted. And I can't say enough about how down to earth and how honest. They were in their discussion, Filoni and um, Favreau were, about their discussion about the Mandalorian. And it's funny because apparently the discussion had been going on for years. 
Filoni was working on the last season, not season seven, but six of the Clone Wars. And Favreau pitched this idea to him. I want to do this show about these Mandalorians. I think it's a thing. We should do this. And Filoni had said, I was holding him off because I was kind of like, wait, I got this thing in the Clone Wars and I don't want it to get ruined. You know, like he was worried that like he was going to. Um, and he so he kind of pushed him off. He admitted he did. And then he says, here's how motivated Favreau was. He says, I got an email on Christmas Day that year. Christmas Day. He's like, who's working on Christmas Day? Apparently John Favreau is. He says, I got an email, a whole script for a whole in, an entire episode of The Mandalorian. He says, I saw it. Like, you know, I'm having family time. I see this email and I go, yeah, I'll check it out later. He says, a month and a half later, I forgot. I got it on Christmas Day. I'm not really paying attention. He says, and Favreau texts me and says, dude, I've knitted socks faster. What do you think of the script? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I forgot I even had a script from you. Hang on. Let me read that and I'll get back to you. Like he, That's how kind of like nonsensical it felt in Filoni's head. But he said he, when he, as soon as he read what Favreau wrote, it was kind of like, this is gold. Like he couldn't, any part of him wanted to throw it into the Clone Wars. But when he brought it to Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen went, nope, no way. That's not gonna. That's not gonna fly here. It's not gonna fit in with what we're doing with Clone Wars. But she immediately said, "But you know what? We've been talking about wanting to do the streaming service, having some live action shows, blah 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 blah." And she's like, "And John would fit right into that." So it was like they almost immediately clicked that John Favreau should be the guy to help them moving to this. And I'll tell you, he he said it right from the beginning. He wrote it as a crossover between Star Wars and a Western. And when you watch the everything. It feels that way. The Mando's got that kind of Western feel to him. Um, he he walks that way. It was funny that Pablo Pascal, because he says, I, I was I wanted to soak in whatever I could. He says, what do I watch? What do I go? What do I, where do I do? What do we do? You know, like he's like, I want to be a Mando. What do I do? You know? And uh, so they said, well, watch the things that George Lucas watched. Obviously, go watch Kurosawa. Go watch some, you know, Flash Gordon. Get Get that concept in your head. Um, and then he's like, but okay, what about the, the feel? And they're like, watch Clint Eastwood. Like old westerns with Clint Eastwood. And so he did. He says, so I kind of, I kind of, I, I watched that. I soaked that. And he says that when you watch The Mandalorian, he goes, watch his gait. Because every time he walks, I use the Clint Eastwood, you know, side to side hip walk, gait kind of thing. He goes, and I, I, he says, to all the Mandos out there, he goes, I've decided that's the way we all need to walk. We need to go hip to hip. He goes, because when you walk that way in your Mando, all of a sudden it's like you're you're shifting your weight. Like, hey, which blaster am I going to pull out? Right? No. Left? Ah. Right? Uh. You know? And it was kind of like you just got this idea in your head that this guy was taking it seriously. Right. To the point that he was thinking about how, many, how do I walk in this armor? How do I make it a thing? Gina, she her big thing was like she couldn't get over the idea that this was just that big. And that she was involved in it at all. But it was funny because Favreau, they were they were doing a, sh a scene. I know I'm giving you guys like way more than you need to know, uh, but it was my favorite panel, and it was just it was the best panel there. They did a, sh a scene, and and they were trying to do a bunch of stormtroopers. They needed like sixty stormtroopers, and Favreau said they looked around the set. They have twenty five. Crap, you know, like we don't have enough. He's like, well, we can CG him then, and he says immediately, Dave, Dave and Favreau were like, no, 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 we are not pulling that garbage. We are not CGing guys in. So Favreau and Filoni sat down that night, and Favreau was like, I, dude, I gotta wrap up this particular group that we're doing within the next through two to three days. I need guys with suits. What do I do? And Filoni laughed. He goes, I got this. 
He goes, I got it. I could probably have guys here in 24 hours. So who do they call? 501st. 501st. The South uh, California Garrison. It was funny because the I've talked to the leadership from the South California Garrison, and I said, so what happened? He said, he says, I put up this post. Um, we're, we're getting a request from Dave Filoni. We need 60 guys. He said, within 60 seconds, he had about 120 responses. He says, you want to talk about pressure? Try being the guy that's got to be like, you, but not you. You. Mm-hmm. He's like, I couldn't even. He. And, so at the time, he he felt guilt about the fact that he had to pick who was going to be on and who wasn't going to be on. And he said to this day that that he feels guilty. And he's told them, if you need other guys, you need to let me know because he's got people that he feels like they should be the ne- you know right, the right. first bumps on the next time they need somebody. But he, and and Favreau said the funniest part was watching these guys walk on the set. He said, we forgot to tell them. So here to show up these 501st guys in their trucks and their Jeeps and whatever, right? And they're pulling their totes out and he's like, yeah, 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 we're going to have you go around here and go off out there and you can change back there in that tent. And he's like, and I did, I totally forgot to tell him, um, by the way, you're on a Star Wars TV show. You can't talk about this. You can't. He said, these guys turned the corner, saw the set. He's like, first off, you'd have never seen cameras come up so quick in your life. He says, cameras are out. Guys are like, oh, my God, a blaster, an e-web blaster. Like, they're going crazy, right? He said, and it was funny because at the time, Dave kind of got a little irked at first. He's, oh, yeah. And, and Don, John says, I told him, hang on, just watch them a minute. He says, and the more that they fanboyed and the more they geeked out, he said, I looked at Dave and I said, we must be doing something right. Because these guys are going crazy. So they used the 501st as kind of like a litmus test. Like, did 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 we do something big here? And they did. They, they totally, yeah. And they, they showed a picture of the 501st members with them. And it was funny because they had a guy they set aside to teach them how to walk like a stormtrooper, how to hold the blaster, how to, you know, behave like a stormtrooper. These guys were teaching the guy who was supposed to teach them. Because they're like, well, you're supposed to run up the hill this way. And one guy goes, no, you don't. Have you seen those knees? You don't run up a hill that way. Here's how you do it. And he waddled up. And and Floney was like, it was funny to watch because they realized the complications of trying to get around in these things because they wear them all the time. He said, it's funny because the next day I was watching our guy, who's our stormtrooper guy, teaching the other guys. And now he's teaching them the things that the 501st taught him. (laughs) So he said it was kind of like interesting to see that the fans are now leading the way on how some of this stuff was going to be run. He said it was the best decision they ever made, putting the 501st guys in. And and he said it just made it an amazing day. So we want to watch the trailer? Yeah. All right, let's take a sec. That's what they called the teaser reel. They then showed us the actual teaser teaser. But we weren't allowed to videotape that. Nobody could videotape it. It has right. not come up anywhere. The actual trailer, uh, it's just freaking amazing. It's not just going to be ground battles. It's going to be space battles. It's His ship is pretty freaking cool. It really is. It's it's uh, It's got that like Old Republic look to it, but the front opens up kind of like Palpatine's ship did, and it lets him kind of jump down that way. But you see him on a couple uh, points where he like guide ropes up into the ship that way, and um, you know, it was funny, Eric, because one of the things you mentioned was, you know, you were worried about, well, they'll probably have him with his helmet off like three quarters of the time. Because, well, that's what I was wondering. I right, like, how are you going to act yeah. right from inside the helmet? And I guess one of the things they said to Pedro when they told him he'd be playing this role is you do understand you'll be spending a lot of time under a helmet, right? 
and it will put a microphone in there. But that that, and he said, I don't expect any less. So he kind of went into it fully knowing that like ninety percent of the time, the fifteen minutes of the first show that we watched, he never took his helmet off, okay. not once. I get the impression that that's only going to happen with people he really knows and trusts. Because, like, in the 15 minutes we saw, he met some guys he was trying to make a deal with. Right. Um, the best part of that scene, and I'm not going to give away anything huge, but he, he walks into a room and a, he pulls his guns because somebody startles him, the Mandalorian does. And the stormtroopers, like, put their guns on him and they go, I wouldn't do that. The odds are four to one. And he looks at him and he goes, I don't know. I kind of like those odds. And I was kind of like, yes, you know, like that sounds like such a Mandalorian thing to say and do. And he's training his guns on all the stormtroopers. And it just had that feel like that thing we've been missing, that spark of inspiration we've been missing from Star Wars all these years just seemed to come across in this particular. Kind of wish they had Favreau directing movies. He really is. Favreau has under the radar, not really, I mean, people know him, but in a way you don't think about it. When you think about these giant filmmakers, people go Spielberg and they go Cameron and all that, or Lucas and stuff. Favreau has straight up created, he was the star of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, the MCU wouldn't exist without him. Wouldn't exist without him. He's been, he shepherded it through the early stages and I don't know how much he's still involved, but I think he's still executive He's pretty producers. heavily involved. In- then he comes in. And he starts up a Star Wars TV show, and people are saying he's capturing it better than people ever have. It's like, this guy is It just gangster. seems like he's got a, a Midas touch. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And and the weird thing about him is he's got the Kevin Smith mentality, but the Midas touch ability. I love Kevin to death. He kind of misses the mark with the Midas touch. You know what I mean? He's a little too goofy and a little too off the wall. Yeah, it's his, it's his thing. Be, it's his thing, and that's okay. That's Kevin's thing. But for whatever reason, whatever Favreau does, it's got that panache to it that put, throws it over the edge. And you're just like, this is crazy, but it's insane, crazy good. And it was just, you got that impression the whole mm-hmm. time. And it was funny because I thought Filoni would take over the panel, but it was Favreau and it was Pascal who really kind of shone through the whole panel. And it was funny, the other two, Creed... Of all people. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers was like, could not get over the number of fans geeking out about this. I mean, all day. Was walking around the con floor going, I cannot get over the number of fans that enjoy this stuff. This is crazy. Like, he couldn't, he could not get in his head how there were this many Star Wars fans that would be this into a Mandalorian TV show. He just, that would that just... And I think Gina was actually overwhelmed, too. Like, just looking at her, because she was looking at the red crowd, and she kept looking out there, and her eyes kept getting big, like, there's this many people that are interested in this? Like, I think it dawned on her for the first time that it was just that big a deal. Right. Uh, it's going to make her career is what's going to happen. Well, I think it's going to make all their careers at this point. I, I, I can't well, pa- see where it doesn't. Pedro Pascal and my page has already got to the career. Carl Weathers already has. It's died off, but still, it's, it's there. It's there. Uh, it's going to make her her career. Yeah, I think I think it's going to make all of them a huge success overnight. I don't know if you know. I, I think Pedro's got it figured out. I think the other two are going to stumble a little bit on the way because I don't think they're prepared for just how big this right. may get on on their end. So. You think uh, Carl Weathers there and uh, Pedro are going to do the uh, bro arm wrestle handshake at one point in the show and just thing from Predator with the two biceps? Yeah. <laughs> 
and hold his name. I'd love to see something like that. It would be totally cool, but I, I don't know if that would happen on the show. Ding, ding. <laughs> there were some awesome moments, too, in the original, in the trailer we saw. And I will say this is the only other thing I'll give is a reveal. IG-88 was in the trailer, but they're saying now it wasn't IG-88. It's just an IG droid. But they had an IG droid spinning and blasting with accuracy, which was pretty impressive to watch. I was just like, wow. I mean, even if it's not IG-88, it's some IG whatever. It right. doesn't matter to me. We but see they, said IG, they said IG-88 is going to be in it. They Well, they have, but um, recently somebody rolled that comment back. So I don't know if it's IG-88 or just some sort of IG droid. I don't care right. either way. We saw one spinning and blasting with accuracy, spinning at full speed and blasting with accuracy, which was just, it was just a cool moment. Yeah, I, I saw that trailer. That was just, I, I can't even explain that. It was just cool. So, yeah, to me, that was the most electrifying panel out of all of them out there. Well, what do we got for questions here, Gary? Because we're uh, hitting up on two hours with this we podcast. Are. I'm, well, I'm done with my you can, questions. You can edit that because it's not been a full two hours. Right, we've it has because we have... Uh, we've had yeah. some technical difficulties. Um, <coughs> and trailer stuff thrown in. <laughs> well, I uh, we covered almost everything I was going to ask. One of the things I did want to ask... Well, actually, we didn't cover the Fallen Order. What no, did you haven't. learn about that? It's a for video those, game. For, yeah, for those who don't <laughs> for those who don't know what the Fallen Order is, they're like, "What? We get a new Star Wars movie, new TV show? What is this?" Give them an idea of what the Star Wars: The Fallen Order is. It's a video game that I know of that's set uh, at the end of. So, set, so, what is it again? I believe it's set in the Old Republic era. Okay. I, I might be wrong on that. Let's watch the trailer for it, and then then we can comment. Okay. So, okay, I guess I have to eat my words on that one just a little bit. So, it takes place after the Clone Wars. After Order 66. After Order 66. And, and Someone discovers that they have Force abilities when Jedi are obviously been outlawed and hunted to extinction, and near extinction, and he's on the run. Right, and it's uh, it's going to be on EA for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PC for this holiday season. So think about how Star Wars our holiday is going to be. We've got The Mandalorian starting in November, right. this game coming out in November, and the, the Episode 9 in December. Yep, Rise of Skywalker in December. It's like think, month. We have a month there of just. Do you think we're going to get inundated again, and people are just going to be like, some are going to tune out. Some are going to tune out. And I it's, think it's. I think um, it's almost too much. I really. <clears throat> and unless and granted, not everyone plays the games, so they're not. But they'll see the commercials. Not everybody not, watches the TV shows. Not everyone will watch the TV shows or get Disney Plus, but most fans will. Right. And the movie's going to be everywhere. It's right. going to be all over TV and all over marketing and whatever. Well, so uh, it's uh, just going to be a lot. Uh, I see a lot of people not seeing episode nine. Not no. in the theater. Not in the theater. Right. right. They got a protest of yes. Last Jedi. Yep. I could kind of see that happening too, which is fine. It just makes it more just sense depend. for me. It just depends. Like right now, no. If the trailers the do next some, couple of trailers do, do some, some cool, cool things, things that, that harken back to that Star Wars they like, you could start pulling them back But in. I can tell you what we've seen so far. I don't think there's enough there. No, not yet. I don't. I just don't. I'm, and I'm speaking from an old fan point of view, not, not a current fan. I'm just saying... I know the new fans are already into it. You know, the people, the younger people that I know that are customers, they're already clamoring. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. It's I'm talking about our generation of fans. I just don't see them jumping at the door right now based on what we've seen. They're, they're going to have to give us more. Like right now, my excitement level, level for, and we're a week away from tonight, Avengers Endgame is through the roof. Right. I agree And with my you Star Wars interest, which is bizarre, is, you know, it's like I, I got to see more. It's funny because... Even coming back from the con, 
I'm still in that Star Wars eye. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm less than a week away. It was, it was last week today. I was, yes. I was there. I'm still on my high. I'm probably more excited for Endgame right now than I was <laughs> for any of those trailers that I saw. Although yeah. The Mandalorian kind of started to turn yes. me into like, all right, I can't wait for that to come along and do something for me. But I am disappointed at the Episode Nine trailer. And I can't believe I'm saying that only because I just felt like not enough was given to me to make it a thing. And I just don't know. I, I, I'm i more interested in the TV show. I can't wait for November to hit for yeah. me to watch The Mandalorian. Which, now, what did you hear about the Disney Plus service? Well, that's the weird thing. I told you guys, I thought they might release it while we were there, right? Um, there's not. There's no info. Other than it's going to be on your Disney Plus service. This will be on your Disney Plus service. We've heard... It costs the no price. Loki show on Disney Plus. Yeah. We've heard there's going to be a Falcon and Captain America show. On Disney Plus. Is it just going to be an app? No, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Falcon, Sorry, the Winter Falcon and the Soldier, Winter Soldier, Scarlet Witch and Vision, <coughs> and then, of course, The Mandalorian. I mean, there's three shows right there that I want to see. And Loki. And Loki, and Loki. And then Loki yeah. Four, four shows I want to see every episode. Four shows right off the bet that would totally be worth the seven bucks a month that I yeah. would be all over. Um, and all of which are available day one, from um, what I hear. From what I hear. But I, I still think it's going to be kind of like they did with Titans, where they released one week. No, that's what I'm wondering. Is it going to be a week? That is it going to be a binge watch series? That's I, I what don't I was think. Wondering. Not, not initially, I don't think. I think they'll still like episodically right. release, kind of like they do with the DC app and the other apps that are out there. And that's the um, thing is you'll just pay for the app, load it up on your PlayStation, Xbox, whatever. Roku, whatever. Right. And it'll just be a channel. Like here, I, I already planned since I've got my computer hooked up. I figure I'll just load it up on my computer and we can watch yeah. in the. In the living room, probably, I mean, able, probably able to get it downloaded to your Kindle Fire Stick. But that's whatever. the advantage, right, of any app like that is you can yeah. watch it anywhere, anytime, anywhere you go. I mean, like for seven bucks a month, are you kidding me? I am all over that. And then yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, every Avengers movie is going to be on yep. there. You know, every single Star Wars movie is going to be on there. Yep. You know, all the old the Star back Wars catalogs. TV shows are probably going to be all. I mean, on with there. all the purchase they got out of uh, Fox, right, and all the stuff they've announced, right. they got I mean, all the stuff from Fox. They can just throw one on. thing alone. Every episode of The Simpsons. Right. Like over four or five yep. or six hundred episodes of The Simpsons are and supposed to be on And they said they're going to be on the app. Yeah. I mean, for seven just bucks a, a month. I just want to go back and watch all the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that alone is like, yeah, give me but that. I'm, but I'm sitting here saying, how does this app not crush every other app out yeah. there within a year? I mean, seriously, who's going to compete with this? Other than maybe Netflix. I think Netflix still can because Netflix maybe. is producing a lot of original they content. Are. That people are really into. Stranger Things. But remember, House on Haunted Hill. All the anime, they've been getting big in animation. You're right, but remember, Disney's yanking the rug out from some of that in that they're pulling out. Oh, just the just all well, of the all yeah. of the you know what I mean you'll the lose, Daredevil and all that stuff. Yeah, those things already ended, out. and I think people are like, I think people are already more. I mean, let's face it, they knew what they were doing because they're doing MCU tie-in TV shows right, right. rather than these kind of half and halves we got that. Right. Oh, they're they're Marvel characters, but they never really tied into the MCU. But Netflix has a crap load of its original of original content, right. and they keep coming out with really good things. You're right. So I think I think Netflix will survive. I think Hulu might have might be they might, might be now. Well, granted, they're live TV. Yeah, too, and that's what they got going for them is you get that live TV portion if you pay for but the again, extra. You're, you're but talking, it's too expensive. You're talking to a guy who does direct TV right now, and I'm done. Like, I'm oh I'm, yeah, I think things like direct TV, cable TV at this point, and cable's like, dying. My wife and I are trying to figure out how to get the heck off of it. The only yeah. thing that's holding me back is I'm a major football fan. You all know that. Yeah, and they've got the the rights right now to the NFL Sunday Ticket. But my understanding is. DirecTV and the and NFL are not happy with each other, and the NFL is thinking about buying them out. 
And if they do and they come up with their own NFL app and the NFL does their own thing, yeah. I said to my wife, I'm like, the minute they do that, I am out of DirecTV because yeah. I am done with them. They they Right now, like for example, I don't even have any Fox shows at all. Yeah, I don't have any of them because they're in some sort of stupid negotiation argument and I have to suffer. I'm not watching the end of Gotham. I'm not currently watching any of my Fox shows. It irks me to no end. And I might, you know, and, and some of my friends are upset because they got to miss the the uh, March Madness because think about how many basketball games were on Fox during the, yeah. the end of March. And they've been in an argument with them for like a month and a half. What am I paying for? You know, I'm like, that's, that's my argument with the guy on the phone every time I call him. I'm like, what am I paying for? I'm paying for a service and I thought I'd be able to watch Fox and I can't even do that. It's crazy. So no, I think cable is is definitely in its dying. It's, it's, it's death knell. It's it, it may have eight to ten years left of hanging on, but I think everyone is going to go to the a la carte options. It just makes sense. It really yeah, does. What, what, what I see is uh, the older generation that doesn't understand the computers and stuff is still going to have the cable. And yeah, my, my parents is your parents. Is right. New installs are going to just exactly peter out. Yeah. And, and then it's just going to... And once they see that, they're going to start scrambling. They're going to... Yep. They re- when they see that new install number drop way below... They, they're acceptable. already trying to come up with their own... Like, DirecTV has a thing now called DirecTV Go, which is supposed to be their app that's supposed to do the same thing. It's a freaking joke compared to everything else yeah. that's out there. I've looked at it. It's a joke. It doesn't work. It's awful. So, any other questions about Celebration? I think you we're there. I mean, me. I feel like a grilled cheese sandwich. I think we've done a pretty good coverage of everything that was yeah. there. Um, real quick, vendors. Did you get to walk around and see what was for sale? Was I, there anything I got to see a ton of vendors. This time, like I said, I, I, I stayed away from the costuming this time because I wanted to see what's on the floor and get a kind of a picture of the whole, like, the whole thing. Instead of getting stuck, you know, with, with other crazy stuff. There were great vendors. I mean, all over the place. Some great stuff. You know, they, they had people selling old... Star Wars collectibles. They had people selling new stuff. They had people just selling crafty Star Wars things. It, whoever put the vending together did a good job of finding all sorts of vendors to to, yeah. to, to draw from, which was totally worth it. As far as the experience for autographs, so I did want to talk about that really quick. I actually had a great experience with the autograph hall. How long would you say overall with all your autographs you waited? I think my longest wait was Ahmed. And that's because they they let you go into their line thirty minutes before they actually open the line. In other words, the 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 autographer wasn't even at the table thirty minutes prior to you could line up so that you were ready to go. Ahmed's I probably waited for an hour and fifteen. That was the longest one. Most of them were about twenty five to forty five minutes. That's really good. They were cranking people through. Even on the picture line, you know, where you go in and you have a picture, where I would have thought there would have been a long line. They were pretty good. Now, there were times where Palpatine's in particular and, and a couple others were got longer, <laughs> but they were pretty good about cranking people through and getting them back out. And, and yeah, it was pretty How'd cool. How did you get to talk to Ahmed for so long? <laughs> we shouldn't have been talking that long. But it was just he was so enamored by talking about Stomp and not something else. Um, and that's where his manager was kind of like, Ahmed, come on, we gotta we gotta move it along because there's a line behind you. But I I think he just got so enamored by the idea that he wasn't talking about Star Wars, but something that something else that he was really into that he didn't feel the need to be pressured to talk about the crazy stuff. He you was should into. reach out now and find out if you can reach out to him after the show. I want to try to and just say, listen, I, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to talk to me about Stomp because 
I'm sure nobody else talked to you about it, and I just was enamored by our discussion, and, and I'm very thankful for it. And I'm going to have uh, Smash, I think, write him a thank you letter. Yeah, yeah. And cause he I'm would gonna, love that. I'm going to talk to them about, about what he said. And uh, I, I just, he was Is he on, is so he on cool. Twitter? He is on Twitter. He's on Facebook. I wonder if uh, when all this Star Wars dies down, we have a lull in a month or so, if you should have, film a little thank you video from your class well, there you and go. tag him in it and post yeah. it on Twitter. Yeah, I should do that. That'd be that'd be really cool. And uh, t- take your charger autograph and, and well, no, just no, I, no, no, yeah. no, no. I'm just saying, just have that with <laughs> to him, remind him to remind him who you who you were. Well, I think so. you yeah. film yourself first, saying I got to speak with you in line at Star Wars Celebration. We talked a lot of stomp. My class wanted to give you thanks for answering their questions. What do you got to say? And have him do a little performance or something quick and put it on uh, Twitter. Yeah, we could, we could give him a performance of some Pringle can routine yeah. or something. So the one thing I did I did want to talk about really quick was about the bash and the banquet, right? The, that was actually that my last question. You had mentioned after hours things, and I wrote here after hours, and I wanted to get back to it, so good. So I had a lot of friends go to the 501st bash and, and the 501st banquet. Both were about 100 bucks a piece. Um, a lot of people said the bash was better than the banquet. Um, in the bash, you got to go to the Chicago Museum of Science and Engineering. Okay. Um, it was after hours, so the museum was closed. It was closed off to just the people there. Now, that's where some of my friends were like, that was cool, because they got to explore the museum by themselves, without anybody else around. Cool. So They're, the museum was open to them. To them, but to, nobody to get, else. That's, that's pretty neat. Kind of cool. And how long did the bash go on? Like, uh, I think it was two, maybe, th- no, maybe it was four hours. I was going to say, was, you need some time to yeah. look around and do, like, was there also bash-related events going on? There stuff? was, like, gambling. You got uh, poker chips with, like, Boba Fett and Jango Fett, and I, I have some I could show you here in a minute, that you could go around and, like, gamble and do. Like, it was, it was supposed to be a night at, Mas- not Masconados, what's the, Canto Bite. Yeah. And so people dressed up. And that's one of the things I got inspired costume-wise. I was like, I, I want to do a rebel senator. I want to do some cool characters, maybe a scum and villain, villainy character, like a pirate or something, right? Like, just something like a Han Solo-esque, but not Han Solo. That You know what I mean? Like, I, I right. think it would be cool to do those kinds of things. So I say I got inspired. Those were the kinds of costumes I got inspired by. Um, you know, you could go to a bar. There was a local bar. You could, they'd mix drinks for you, all that kind of crazy stuff. Um but that was, you know, but for a hundred bucks, I was kind of like, you know, and that's where my money talks for my mouth sometimes. The banquet, they said it was cool. You got some free swag. And that's the other thing about the bash. You got some free swag. But like my wife said, on a on a honeymoon night, we don't spend a hundred dollars a plate. Right. I mean, that's $200 for her yeah, and I to go. That's crazy. And it's just a crazy amount of money when you think about all that that entails. <laughs> and a lot of people at the banquet were kind of like, there was less swag, less stuff going on. It was just kind of like. They kind of felt like it didn't line up with the amount of money that they were being charged for what it was. As cool as they were. Now, the really weird thing that I think was the best thing of the whole weekend that was outside of the scope of the day was the swag swap. For the first time, they had a patch swap where you could go and you went into this room. uh, And and I give credit to Tom Kuntz and some others who put this together. You could go into this room and, and all these groups put out tables to swap patches with you and it was awesome because you got to walk around the room and you got to trade with people no money was allowed to be exchanged the whole night which was really cool and you had to agree you know like i'll give you this many patches for that one and it was awesome because it was a bartering thing right and it was just kind of like can you barter enough and and that's where i got that tie pilot ring i i posted about on facebook 
I actually bartered three patches for a TIE pilot ring. I'm like, how cool? Where else in the world are yeah. you going to do that than a Star Wars convention? I didn't have to pay a dime for it. I bartered three patches that I earned for it. It was just so cool. Um, and then I found some cool patches that, where am I going to find those patches again? And it was just, it was kind of a fun experience to just kind of go around, see what people had, challenge coins, patches. It was just, it was a great night. And it was just good to kind of mingle and get to know people. The only drawback was it was Friday night. It was that we had not checked into our hotel right. yet. My, my wife was done. She was out in the lobby eating some pizza. And she's like, you go do your thing. When you're done, we're going to the hotel. She was yeah. just kind of like, so I kind of felt a little under pressure because I was kind of like, I got to get my thing done and get out of here because you could just see it. She was done. Yeah, yeah. So. so that was the after hours that I knew of. So that was it. Very cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of is a overall summation of what it was like to be at Star Wars Celebration this year in Chicago at McCormick Place for three of the five days mm-hmm. to dress as a Mando, to dress as a TIE pilot, to do some parading, to get in some photos, to see the show, to go to some panels, and to see the Mandalorian panel. Got a lot Absolutely. done in three days. I did. I did. And it's kind of incredible to think about, I mean, it was just a whirlwind when you think about everything that we did and what we got accomplished. And I walked away thinking, man, I didn't do much. And then we were driving home and going, wait a minute, I did this. I was in that panel. I was in this picture. I did a lot. <laughs> like, I also was in the, the Rebel Legion picture. I didn't mention that. Oh, okay. On Saturday, I was in the Rebel Legion picture as my Jedi. So it's uh, it's incredible, all the stuff that I did. I'm, I'm bummed, though. I'm bummed because the next celebration is out in Anaheim. Is in Anaheim. And I won't be going out to that. That's just yeah. too far for us to do. So, And I wonder what it'll be celebrating because we're not having an anniversary of a movie. Oh, that'll be Galaxy's Edge. Like, it, totally. it, I mean, you think it's going to be all galaxy? That's why you think it's going to be absolutely. That's why it's going to be an Anaheim. Yeah. Everybody said that they're totally expecting it to be a big part of whatever. I mean, everybody's expecting that you're probably going to get a, a pass in the part of the park at right. night, kind of like they did with Florida, where you could take the bus caravan over and you could do the the park at night. Um, I think that's what they're going to do for this one, and it'll be Galaxy's Edge, and you'll be able to go do something at night. That'd be interesting. I got to start trying now to get chalk art gig at that show. <laughs> Gary, do you have any final questions or summations? No, I'm good. Well, I'm going to hand the reins back to you to, to wrap things up since this is your show. But thank you for the interview and thank you for letting us quiz you on uh, all things Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn the spotlight off now. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate it. And I had fun at Chicago. I'm not going to lie. And, and I had a great time. Best celebration I've been to yet. But, uh, we got to move on because we got a lot of stuff to talk about later, too. Because uh, Endgame is coming up, man. Yes, and I'm, I'm pumped. I'm psyched. So, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's not. Whatever. It's a movie. I, I'm, I'm more excited what happens next next month. What happens next month? Godzilla. Oh. <laughs> I am kind of excited for Godzilla. <laughs> that might be interesting. I'm too. pumped for Endgame. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so that and wraps worst, up. The worst part is I work at a job. Where we're going to see Endgame Friday. Right. By the way, we're all going to see it together, so we'll Which all get to awesome. talk about it afterwards at some right. point. But I have a coworker who's seeing it Thursday night, ah. and I have already told him, "I'm like, you can't, you can't do don't even look anything at me right. Friday. I want to know <coughs> nothing." I've already and told I'm going to remind him of that Thursday. I've already told anybody who goes to see it, like, don't even look at me. Like, if you look right. at me the wrong way, I'll be like, captize, damn it. Just let me you know, see like... this. Let me enjoy it for myself, and then we can talk. We can right. talk Monday. We'll talk Tuesday. Right. We'll talk whatever. We'll just, give me, just give me that day to let me see it myself. Okay, so with all that said about Celebration of Chicago, Endgame coming up, uh, as we like to say here in Star Production Studios, 
May the force be with those who listen to the Mandalorian. Golly! Shazam! Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.